Welcome to episode 298 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And I am super excited about today's show. It's going to be just like the old days. We've both got so many updates, and uh, I'm just excited about it. It's going to be just like them old days when Texting used to be good. <laughs> hey jace how you doing i'm done i'm all right how about yourself yeah pretty good you are the, your mic just needs to be lifted up all right so yeah. i'm just admiring your bookcase here <laughs> we were discussing this before uh before we started recording so you have this huge bookcase of all very uh, of all books that have very light colored jackets which i thought was really surprising <laughs> like they're mostly white or whitish and uh, you were explaining that Georgie buys them for aesthetic reasons. That's right. It's so, a, it is purely an aesthetic. It's a look. So look, so like <laughs> she has not read Dominic Dunn's Another City, Not My Own. She may have. I don't talk to her about or everything she James reads. James Clawell's Whirlwind. What the it, hell is it that? It is possible. <laughs> Although I do see two. Well, um, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Mm. I'm sure you've read that. Right. I've started. So that it. was actually, you started? Started. You, you didn't read it? Sometimes I don't finish things. <laughs> yeah, I noticed, but how much is that? You just you, what, you know, what? you do remind me. I have your book about Blondie Twenty Four. I'm taking that home. I have to find That's, it. That was another example why I don't loan people books because I never get them back. It's not. It's like give. It might as well be giving them away. It's and I've had it for like, what three years. Yeah, it's, it's like a long, a long. Well, because the reality time. is, if they really wanted to read it, they'd buy it themselves. That's right. And so if you have to give it to them, it means they don't want to read it that much. It means they're not going to read it. it means they're going to hold on forever. And they're, you're never going to get it back to even look through. <laughs> and they're not going to read it either. They're just going to put it on their shelf for aesthetic purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, no it, it's black. That's why we had to hide it away. Right. It's not even in here. Just walk <laughs> Although there's another one I've read, which was uh, uh, The Closing of the American Mind by Bloom. I read that years ago. It was pretty boring. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, okay. so, so no, she goes to um, she goes to what's the, what's that place where you drop stuff off and uh, you know you give it Good to charity. Will. Well, but Salvation, the, Army? Salvation Army, yeah. So Sal- she goes to Salvation Army and she buys them for like a buck, and then she she does them in batches. But she does pick ones which she thinks sound interesting, but also they have to be white. <laughs> 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 That's great. But you know, we I, have, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to find if there's any books that I had dropped. We off we, there. we have I'm another. And seeing we it. have another bookshelf that's dark, and then that you know has the darker books. That's <laughs> probably where Blondie Twenty Four is. <laughs> well, it matches the chairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay. She's um, not. But it's like I was saying, she's not the first person that I've ever seen to do this. Like my my aunt, who's an interior designer, does it in their house. Oh yeah. Well, look. I mean. um Whenever we see like staging, when they stage houses for selling yeah. them, they, they always could put books on there. When you go to like a, a furniture store sometimes and they have like bookshelves and stuff, they'll have like the fake books. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. it like, bookshelves look weird when there's like nothing in them. Yeah. Or there's like seven books and a bunch of But also, necks. I kind of hate it when bookshelves have ornaments and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like little figurines, little, little weird figurines. <laughs> Staring you down. <laughs> yeah looking at you while you're sleeping creepy out yeah so we're here at your uh your new palatial estate yeah well it's it, it's actually surprisingly good like it it's large but it's surprisingly good rent you know for for the size of well, it well i mean um, you do live in the hinterlands now yeah exactly. i mean i swear That's to god point. i was like wondering if i was gonna need oxygen <laughs> to bring my own oxygen tank <laughs> Starting to get a little lightheaded once I got up north of Washington. I was like, "Good grief!" <laughs> no, we're we're right by the by the foothills. Yeah. I mean, just like you just go up another like eight blocks. I say and then you're halfway you're at the up mass- the foothills. Yeah, you're way up. 
We're, we way, are way up, up here. <clears throat> so, but um, it doesn't look too bad, right? Looks, it's it's okay, you know. The house, yeah, not too shabby. Um, yeah, you can see fine. how it's two nice. families can live here without ever running into each other. Is that really the case? Well, not a hundred percent the case, but it's like it's pretty easy living together. They, you know, they have the they live in the West Wing. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're the East Siders. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have an East Side, West no, Side. No, we, we, we're on the upside. Uh, we're on the upside. We we live in the upside, and they live on the West Side. Yeah, but do you have like an East Side, West Side sort of, you know, rivalry? Sort of rivalry? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> Who cooks a better breakfast? Well, we we actually refer to uh, Sandy and I refer to our our, our family as as Roberts West. Because <laughs> 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 a lot of our family has been East Coast. Nice. West side. Um, so I'm I'm dying to hear about B12. Oh, you want to start with that? I really would like to hear. So, um, just to give a little brief recap, I, I my couple years ago, my toes were starting to feel a little numb yeah. in the end, and you know, and it kind of coincided with uh, a, a, a checkup I had with a you know the doctor for the first time in years. I went and got a checkup. And I asked him about it. And he said, and maybe it had been ha happening maybe a year before that. It just kind of slowly, but they were just kind of numb. And he said, well, he's like, I don't know. We, it's probably just uh, genetic. Some people, they just, get, you know, sometimes get a little numb mm -hmm. as they get older. And I was like, okay, that's weird. But, um, uh, you know, but although it can be something, I, I was worried, is it like a pre-diabetic thing or is it gout? My dad had gout. And so mm -hmm. I had him test me for all that stuff. And he said, no, no, you're, you're good. So... Anyway, um, it started getting a little more, I thought it progressed a little bit, that was more tingling, more, more uh, not just numb, but just kind of like uh, pins and needles a little bit, or more like a hot feeling, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, you when you're like, you'd run on, you know, you go to swing pole, and it's like really hot on the mm -hmm. thing, and you walk across, you're like, oh, Jesus, you know, and you like kind of run really fast across it to get to some water. Yeah, on. like leaves, it leaves this sensation. Yeah, I know what yeah, you mean. yeah. It's kind of, kind of, kind of like, so, um. I started doing some research on it, and uh, it, it, it appears that, and it, what it's called is neural uh, peripheral neuropathy, and it can be the result of a lot of different types of, you know, diabetes and other, uh, a side effect of, of a lot of the diseases, but um, one of them could be uh, B12 deficiency. Mm. And I thought, well, I don't have any diseases. I wonder if I could possibly have B12 deficiency. That would just be really strange. Like, why would that happen? Why would I have that? And then uh, I did some more research on it. It turns out that B12 deficiency can be caused by long-term usage of what are called proton pump inhibitors. So any number of these um, over-the-counter medications you take for um, acid reflux, which I was told to take by my uh, gastroenterologist who I went to 10 years ago. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you can just take it every day. It's not a problem. He's like, you know, occasionally there's been some indication that older women are more prone to osteoporosis, you know, when they get in her 80s, he's like, but I think you'll be fine. Just make sure you drink, you know, milk or whatever. And uh, so I never thought about it. It's been 10 years. Although Sandy's always been against me taking any medication long yeah. time. She's just been frowning at me for years. <laughs> and so then within the last, I think 2011, there's some studies. Then more came in 2013 that maybe uh, that they were seeing a lot higher incidence of B12 deficiency as a result of that. And in long-term usage was considered more than four to six weeks. <laughs> so 10 years is a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, so I read this one article that, you know, that we had referenced this journal study where blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, they basically they I prescribed to take this uh, B complex, you know, um, uh, supplement for a couple weeks, and that the guy, you know, who had had been neuro uh, peripheral neuropathy like myself, it kind of it kind of the symptoms were there was complete cessation within two weeks. But mm. that so I started that, you know, and it's been about three or four weeks now, and there's been no cessation. You mean, so it hasn't it, worked. Oh, it hasn't worked. Hasn't worked at all. Hmm. Now, I was all over the forums, just kind of hearing what people were reading about, what people were saying, you know, and a lot of people were like six to eight months, a year, you know, it was, it wasn't anything like a few weeks. Are you still on the antacids? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on a, um, I'm actually kind of following a, um, uh, a, a sort of a weaning off protocol. Okay. So taking less and less. So it was like, so normal, one pill is 20 milligrams. So I said, all right. So the first week was, alternate 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. And then it was 10 milligrams um, every week. And then it's 10 every other day. I'm going to say, yeah, 10, 10, yeah. Week one is tw uh, alternating days, 20, 10. Week two is all 10. Week three is every other day of, of 10. And then you're off. So do you, are you needing to change what you eat then to stop the acid? You need to give up coffee or orange juice or whatever? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I limit the amount of orange juice I drink the more like just a third of a glass or something mm -hmm. that's like the worst by far other things can cause it um and i've been just why don't to just attention. cut it out altogether because you like it too much orange juice yeah yeah i mean i, I love orange juice for breakfast to me that's like breakfast is synonymous with orange juice i gotta <laughs> have um but any type of citrus drink is really acidic wow. like, oh, just way way more acidic than almost anything else you have so <laughs> but you know i accidentally took drink some lemonade where somewhere and i, and I forgot that how, how much acid was in lemonade and I was immediately regretful <laughs> of that uh -huh. um but yeah I mean I'm gonna see I, I I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go off it and I'm gonna try and manage my diet and see but it's gonna be tough because a lot of things can cause it a lot so you're gonna go off orange juice you can try and be no not it. go off but I'm gonna limit the orange juice but I'm just you try and limit things so yeah like, okay you know if you want to go have some Mexican food and there's some pico de gallo on it the tomatoes cause it so don't take off most of the yeah. tomatoes i mean chocolate coffee tomatoes yeah this, to it's like everything spicy food i mean it's and like it's so it's so not you you're just not the kind of person who wants to do that you know that's just yeah i mean that sucks so i i but I, wait I, it doesn't suck more than being ill that's true right that's so true. it's worth so i'm it. gonna go but i'm what i want to do i'm actually gonna make a doctor's appointment next week and go and really get tested and you know i mean there's like it's one thing to be like reading the internet and trying some things, but mm -hmm. if it doesn't like work right away or it doesn't have pretty, it's, it's probably a good idea to go and mm -hmm. take a look at. It. Although, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a general practitioner may not have a whole lot to say about um, peripheral neuropathy. It's it's still like a very hard thing to treat generally. Um, it's funny. There's so many of these kind of chronic things that you just the medicine just like. Eh. They just Meh. don't know yet. They just Meh. don't have, there's just no good option. You know, people try stuff and people are like, oh, eat this supplement or do this. And a lot of times it doesn't hurt to try things and maybe you get lucky and it works. But there, you know, lots, it just takes years and years of doing studies and follow up to really be able to say this works. You know, whereas in the internet or you do like, you know, osteopaths or they can just say, do this and try this. Mm. It doesn't mean there's any evidence to show, yeah, but it's yeah. like, you know, but a, but a doctor really can't prescribe something for you to do when there's no evidence that it actually works. 
Yeah. They can say you can try it if you want. You know, there's some people who say that helps. And they don't want to, they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to stand behind it either because yeah, in because, case it's pseudoscience, they don't really know. Yeah, they don't know. So why, I mean, they're in the business of telling you stuff that works, yeah. not telling you make believe or things that people hope work or may yeah. work. They're just like, well, I mean, you know, look, hey, if you want to try this, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yeah. You know, um, so uh, yeah, that was a little, but one of, uh, I think it was uh, Andrew Cox had commented on it and he, he said, you know, he, because he looked at, I listed a link to the actual, supplement and uh he said he, he noted that it was really low dose of b12 in the complex mm. it's like 250 micrograms or something like that mm. and I, even though i was taking two pills every morning it was still really low and he's like you know if you go take a shot of b12 that's like five thousand mm. micrograms i mean you, you know or something like that i mean it's like yeah and it's like completely available instantly and you can go and you can go to the you know even if you go to like you know like the vitamin store or whatever They'll have the B12 supplements, and they have this, this what's it called, the sublingual, the one that we put under your tongue? Yeah. They're like a 1,000. It goes straight into you. Yeah, so have you yeah. tried some of those? Well, no, I've just read, the people said, you know, look, you know, like it, what I had read on the internet, for what it's worth, is that normally when you have some deficiency, they really, they recommend getting a shot, okay? Because it goes right into your bloodstream, and you really high, you're loading dose, and you get like, I don't know, like four to six weeks, and you do it every week, or something like that. But I, there might have been there might have been some recent findings that you know you can do these like high dosage of like this these you know, sub you know whatever stuff to put on your tongue and that can have an approximately equivalent. Effect. You know, it would have been good to do a test to see actually how much B twelve you had in your system. I know, I, I probably should have done that. That but... would have been yeah, because then you could have definitively said because now you're on the B twelve, you can't genuinely. Well, I can say... go in there and I'll tell I'll tell the guy to say this is what I'm doing. He might say, well, just go off it for two weeks and we'll, we'll run the test then. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, you yeah. might just say that, but I don't know. It's the whole thing is uh, frustrating, <laughs> so it's just going to have be kind of a, you know, a little bit of investigation. Okay. So, what's up with you? Well, nugget is the is, nugget. Yeah, what's yeah, up with the nugget? Nugget is like a big, but I I I have so much to talk about it. So I wonder if you want to yeah. get in a few more updates no, before no, we start let's, going let's into just, it. Let's just let's just let's let's get into the nugget. All right. Well, so let's start off with, well. The, the name, Nugget. Hmm. So you and Phil basically hated the name. Um, which, and well, I think... Phil says it wasn't the worst name he's ever heard in his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's Phil speak. So Phil's such a hedger. You know, I yeah. say like with Phil, it's not what he says, it's what he doesn't say. Yeah. <laughs> he, I don't, he, didn't, he, he didn't feel as strongly as I did about it. Probably just because he's hedging. I don't really know what he thinks. But yeah. you know, I, I just think... I just think the name is sounds silly, and it doesn't. I think well, he didn't like it because it didn't give you any sense of what it, what the company was or yeah. does. And even um, I just think I, I, you know, more or less agree with that. Obviously, there are a lot of instances of like, well, what is Uber, you know, right. or yeah. what is uh, you know Twitter? Until you know what it is, and you kind of work backwards. Like, okay, I guess I see the connection. So I guess you go nugget and you go because it's just the nugget of an idea okay i i get it i just think it sounds kind of silly right. I, and when you the other one that you proposed uh we were texting back and forth was startup lab which yeah. i thought sounded really cool i mean so it, so so just to tell you what happened so we basically decide you know we took your guys's advice really serious like i i went back to ken who's the, my partner with this and said look they hate Ken this. Wallace. Ken Wallace. See, I know the you name got it, now. You know his name, yeah. <laughs> so I went back to Ken, and, and we we kind of took it seriously. Like they, you know, they are super smart guys, and that is really good feedback. So we started the process of like backing out. You know, we registered all the domains. We 
basically spent a couple of days moving everything over, you know, mm -hmm. from all the tech that we had. And then somehow, I, and I will say that in both of our guts, we kind of felt a bit sad about it because we were kind of attached to the Nugget brand. <laughs> <laughs> like we, there was, there's something about the little robot guy and just the Nugget and the kind of quirkiness of it that I think both- So I think you could use the robot with Robot Lab. Robot, la, ro, the robot would have looked better with Lab than Nugget. <laughs> well, anyway, both him and me kind of get a kick out of it for some reason. But anyway, we moved, we moved everything over on the strength of your guys's, you know, rejections. And um, then, like, because we'd already had this landing page, because for the last texting podcast, mm -hmm. I at least wanted to be able to collect, you know, email addresses. So this landing page was up there. And obviously, one of the le somehow some conversation came up on Hacker News, and one of the texting listeners, basically, someone said, oh, man, I wish there was like a service where you could get like startup ideas every day. Like, mm -hmm. and someone just posted Nugget, you know, Nugget.1 mm -hmm. to, that, to that thing. So anyway, next thing we noticed, wait, we've got five people on the mailing list right now. And then we saw that lots of people were coming in from that thread that was some random thread. So we're like, wait, there's 500 people who've basically, it seems like they just don't really care what it's called. They just want the, they want the service. Is it five people or 500? 500. Okay. So, and you know, plus also it's going to be kind of weird to then say to 500 people, actually... You know that thing that you just signed up for is not it, that isn't really the name like it's this other name which is which is possible but we just thought we just took it as a sign of kind of validation to think okay it's not so bad that it's turning people off and we kind of like it so then we just flipped everything back and then we launched um i guess that night we flipped everything back and we launched on um sunday uh a sunday uh, night can i can i can i talk a little bit yeah about yeah this? Go, yeah of course yeah, yeah okay so here's here's my take on that um you have no information about, there could have been a lot more people who thought it was silly and didn't sign up. So it doesn't that's, tell that's you possible. anything. That's true, yeah. I mean, nugget, you know, what the heck, this is <laughs> silly. You know, I'm not gonna pay for, you know, or just like, um, so you don't know, you didn't do a test. And so it's just kind of confirmation bias. You're like, we like it, people came in, we don't, you know, you're just, you're taking it as confirmation even though it doesn't tell you anything because you, you didn't have a test. If you had put up two, land, you, you put up like AdWords or something, one for Startup Lab and one for Nugget, and you kind of see what the click-through rate, and you ran a, 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 a more objective test than you could tell. Um, you know, you can succeed in spite of a name, you know? I mean, well, you can you can have success, but I mean, it, it's like running, you know, there's, if you, you know, there are, there are services that have dumb names and ugly websites and they just work well enough, you know, um, if you guys, I mean, the most important thing is, I, I mean, it probably would have been good to run a test if you had any doubt, just so you know, but if you don't care, if you're like, we like the name, we don't care, then that's what's important, you know? Well, if yeah, like, and I think that's true. I mean, I, th I think what I should also say is that, you know, we, we canvassed a bunch of other people as well. You know, apart from you and Phil, and it and you and Phil were the ones who really didn't like it. Like half of them were like, "Meh, I don't care," and then the other half were like, "I really like Nugget rather than." But again, the yeah. way you do that, because I see you do no, it, all the time. No, you I know. go and you talk I get to your, I get your wife and your friends, and you ask them, and you're like, do you, like "Do you like this?" And what are they going to say? Get it. Well, so then, just 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 for complete, leading the witness for complete confirmation, <laughs> I'll get you to I'll tell you to another point where we you know we are we basically posted a poll in the community of the people who'd paid and said you know and said, which one do you prefer? And we did it in a very unbiased way. In fact, if, if anything, it was more biased towards Startup Lab. 
And basically everyone in the community said they preferred Nugget. Because but you understand, too, that those people came in under Nugget. Paid. So all and the people paid. who had already paid for Nugget, and they came in <laughs> done. So all the people who thought it was stupid the, the general, and were turned off by it uh, weren't there. Pretty much everyone's complaint about Startup Lab is it's too generic. It's too much of a generic Me Too kind of concept, and it's mm -hmm. hard to stand out in the crowd. That that's basically what that yeah, that's true that's an argument yeah I, you know i i i thought startup labs sounded cool because i wear the nugget it's a hypothesis it's, right you make it you can play off the scientific aspect mm. we're running it a company is an experiment these are hy hypotheses that we're sending we send you a hypothesis every day here's the evidence for why it's a reasonable hypothesis i thought that whole the laboratory thing i thought you could maybe pivot into doing other startup launching laboratory things it all just kind of would play into a really cool comprehensive ex you know scientific experimental brand that's what i liked about it now um you know again that's just my opinion that's my aesthetic sense maybe i'm wrong no no i mean a... like i i think i don't think you are wrong actually i don't th i just think it's it goes back to that classic thing like there is no truth you know it's just like it's anything's anything's possible and anything kind of works in a way um, I don't think I agree with that. <clears throat> but I mean, for for something like a name of a company, right? Like, basically, I think for the name of for a name of a, there's there's kind of three three points that it can be. It can be a name that really helps you, a name that doesn't do much for you, and a name that really hurts you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the point is, is is this you know is Nugget a name that really hurts you? And we've basically proven that it isn't a name that really hurts you. I don't know if it's a name I don't that helps. That, you. I don't think you've proven that. Oh, I, I think okay. you've 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 taken a, a biased sample. Okay. And it's solicited from a biased sample, so you're not getting, uh, you do not know that it's hurt, that's not hurting you. But again, I'm talking my opinion. I'm leaning towards. I think it's not a good name. Yeah. I would say you'd have to prove it to me using an unbalanced, balanced. Well, maybe sample. that's something. Maybe that's something we can do in the future. And I, I, I would like to come back to it because I do. I find it very fascinating um, as a, as a subject. But people, companies change names all the time. Yeah, Web companies yeah. all the time. We're changing our name to this. We're changing that. And it's just like whatever. You get a few emails. They get rebranding. And it's like whatever. Well, Nobody I, really cares if you change a name. Yeah. Yeah. I No, I agree. So, But you, the most important thing now is that you just experiment with the business. Yeah, experiment. Like you don't want exactly. to futz around. Okay. That, no, that's right. That's right. Now it's like, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to futz around with this. It might turn out that if you come up with a better branding, you have... 20 or 30 percent better conversion rate from newcomers or something like that which would just be like found money like oh wow you know this is really yeah, working yeah, but i agree if you can make it work with this name you I know agree. i think you're fine all right so so we kind of launched we kind of like launched in quotes like it wasn't exactly a launch it was like on a sunday evening we just got all the pieces together and we're like there's a term for that what is it it's called it? a soft launch yeah okay soft launch so we did it's, we did a soft launch and I submitted I submitted it to Hacker News to Show HN and he submitted it to Product Hunt. No, he told Hit and Shah about it, and basically he I guess Hitton got a kick out of it because he submitted it to Product Hunt. I think it spelled Hitton, but spelled he I think he pronounced it Heaton. Heaton, okay, Heaton. So he, so Heaton submitted it to Product Hunt and it did really well on Product Hunt, got like three hundred and fifty points or whatever. Right. And um, <clears throat> so we we kind of launched uh, on the on the Sunday, the soft launch, and by the by, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. We had, um, you know, five and a half thousand visitors had hit the page. Of those, about two thousand people had signed up to the free trial, which okay. is a pretty great conversion rate. Forty you know? percent conversion. Yeah. Okay. Like, like usually, people signing up to your mailing list is not that is nowhere near that. So that's kind of cool, um, you know. And you know, since then we've had um, two thousand, two thousand one hundred net revenue um, for the project, and. Um, 
1,700 recurring revenue we're on now. Like that's good. 1,700 monthly recurring revenue. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot more than you got made for light. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, but but not only that. Like it's also if I compare it, you know, note for note to Plugio and how that launch went. Like this is like surpassed that. But I mean, I remember I remember when launching Plugio and going to Georgie the first you know the first sale and I'm like, we've made ten bucks. You know. Yeah. And Georgie's like, you've made ten bucks. Like big shit you know but like here you know within just a few days i can say we've made a thousand yeah. you know that's kind of like a pretty big deal no that's good i mean yeah. you know uh you got a good base i mean i think i think the uh the startup founder market is limited i don't think you have a huge market but you might be able to uh get a nice you know um better for back of a better word lifestyle business out of it right you now right. maybe you can get we've five or ten grand a month or 20 grand a month or 30 grand a month it would be amazing well we've got a goal yeah. i mean we've got a goal and i think it's a realistic goal of um maybe two thousand paying customers and then by by when well like th that's the goal you know oh so yeah at, so, at any point like would max out at two thousand yeah I, I think that's a realistic a how realistic many do you have goal. now i mean 40 <laughs> mm -hmm. We have forty now, but I mean, I I think that it could grow to two thousand. What you know? do you charge? Uh, fifty bucks a month. So two so two thousand be uh ten thousand dollars a about, month. About six hundred thousand a year. Two thousand people. Uh, let you me just that right. Let me just work it out right. So so fifty dollars. So yeah, because so two thousand times fifty um, equals one hundred thousand times twelve. Sorry, one point two million a year. A big million dollar business. That'd yeah. Great. Well, yeah. and the thing about it is, um, it would be very low overhead. Yeah. You know, let's say at that point, there's like you and Ken, and maybe you have two or three people working, kind of customer support, helping ferret out ideas. You know, you don't have to pay a huge amount. So let's say you have like, let's say even you grow to a staff of like five people helping you guys out. Right. Yeah. You know, and those those people probably wouldn't be that highly paid maybe you know 50 60 70 thousand dollars a year they work remotely you know that'd be a lot of net for you guys even if you paid on aggregate two hundred thousand dollars a year that'd be you two splitting a million each way well but it also would be fantastic right uh, no that'd be amazing but i mean apart from anything else like it's like kind of like a dream thing for me like my favorite thing is this is this kind of beginning inception part of startups yeah well that's you know? that's why when you told me about it i i told you i liked it because it's what you like to do you like to brainstorm about ideas right you're you're never really um you like the process of, of of coming up with a brand concept of playing with ideas you don't oftentimes care as much about the idea itself after a while and so then picking anything other than doing this makes you you're kind of guy i just want to do something new i want to talk about new ideas so well the other thing is what I, the other reason why I really like it is I see it as a chance to really grow and learn how to get over all the th all the blockers that have been stopping me from building successful businesses. Like basically, I can again and again and again look at this idea, how it was executed, all the different things, and it's it's kind of helping me come up with a with yeah, see, a methodology to create successful startups. Yeah, see, you know? and here's one of the reasons that I like Startup Lab, for instance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is because you can move. You are the you, horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because you can go far beyond just sending a thing. You can go. You can put it on workshops. Yeah. 
and at conferences of yeah. idea generation, cultivation, proving validation, a lot of that kind of stuff. You can do online courses once you kind of put together, you know, you work with people who are, are, are growing these things and validating them. You could, you're just like, there's lots of, you can create a lot of structure around this, you know, because once somebody comes with an idea, like I got this idea, how do I start or what should I do next? Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. Well, there's a whole lot of things you got to do next. And, and that's already what this is about. Like already I can see from the people who are in the community, this is way more than just ideas. Like, yeah. like the idea is just the gateway drug. That's right. Once people are in the community, basically what this is, is essentially like an incubator kind of support group. You know, people are in there, they're helping each other. Like we have like, let, let me give an example. So one of the ideas that went out and we'll talk, I'll talk as, as well about how we source the ideas in a bit more detail. But one of the ideas that I really liked was a guy said, I own a food truck, you know, I, I, I wish I could know where to take that food truck, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, there must be a way of like link, you know, researching what events are happening in my town you know, and linking it up with Foursquare and just like basically telling me where I should take my food truck. So a few people liked that idea and thought about it. And like the next day after we posted it, two people came back and said, I went out and spoke to a bunch of food truck owners, <laughs> you know, mm. and that, and this kind of thing keeps happening. Like, so, so, and the result of that, by the way, the food truck owners said, that sounds kind of interesting, but like, this is our busy season. So come back to me in October. But um, what we are seeing is, is like people are being really supportive and helpful of ideas. So there's different ones about like an Amazon thing. Like there's other, you know, there's all sorts of different ones. And one person will go and he'll come say, how the, how the fuck do I find customers for this? And then someone else will say, well, hey, here, do this search in LinkedIn. Here's like a thousand. And they're right. like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So, okay. So, and then they go away and email five of them. Mm -hmm. And then they're coming back to the forum and saying, okay, I emailed five, five people. This is the general response. What do you think about this? And then someone else will come in and say, ah, well, I think this, this, this. And so already these, each of these threads is kind of growing and becoming validated. And then we've got like four or five people who've already picked something and they're saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm committed to doing this. I'm going to, I built a landing page. I'm going to take this forward. And then other people are going, okay, cool. You picked that one. I'm going to wait for another one, you know, something that interests me. And so that's, that's the way that it's going. That's kind of pretty exciting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're seeing high engagement between the people there. The people are yeah, really engaged. Exactly. The people that well, so so what I it's it's kind of interesting. So we've we've been running polls in the community as well. And so one thing, one interesting poll is um which is more important to you, the community or the the nugget, the ideas. And um basically 57% are saying the community. Now that could be biased because they're in the community and they're answering. You know they're answering that but it does seem to me like a kind of 50 50 bifurcation of people basically saying i really like the ideas stroke community as being like a long a long-term thing and the other people just saying like i want the ideas and so i can look in the community and see these these kind of six people have never logged into the community and then i can go and trap them track them and drip and look at what they've done with the ideas and they on average have opened them like 10 times so they're not going into the community but they are going back and looking at those things that are going into their inbox multiple times. So, yeah, well, and I think when you layer on education, yeah, you like do you, you know what do you feel about the education, the mm. you know the yeah. the videos or the the how tos or the you know the checklist that we come up. You could come up with like a checklist service. You come up with thing and say here's a step one, step two. I'm sure you've thought checklist, of checklist. Yeah, the totally yeah. Yeah, so you got all these things, 
and all those things are be a lot of value and people will feel yeah anyway people will be more engaged it's like a, there's so much more that you can do with this yeah yeah um so you know it's like it's like what you know doug is always talking about with mv code club it's like they're always looking for additional revenue streams yeah how do we monetize these other things how do we get you know, how do we get additional, uh, you know, revenue streams or whatever, additional channels? I mean, and that's, that's you know, you just got one going and you can grow along the trajectory, but it's these other things. Yeah, and it's like, this thing's kind of formulating in my mind about, um, because you know, you know how, like, I, whatever thing I work on, I'm like, okay, that's my problem. So now my problem is, okay, how do we create this generic solution for people to build successful startups? And that's the way that I'm just thinking about the world right now, rather than the specific startup problem. My, my, the problem I'm thinking about is how do I make everyone successful? And um, I'm, you know, one of the first thing that I ask people to fill out when they join the community is what's blocking you? You know, what's, why aren't you successful? And, and basically very similar answers are coming up. But also I'm kind of thinking there, there, you can boil being a successful founder down into two simple problem sets, like blockers and levers, like, what is stopping me from getting what I want to get and what could get me more of what I want to get? Yeah. You know, that could be its own checklist. You know, you what know? you could do is have like a, um, like a, a wizard kind of, you know, like the troubleshooter of Microsoft. Exactly. Staff, yeah. And be like, it. what's you your it. blocker? Yeah. Marketing. Okay. What kind of marketing? Block? And it kind of drills. And I say, okay, here is your checklist of to do things based on that. Start with one and then come back in. Once you checked off, we'll give you this next thing to do. And you just have this kind of like, you know, look, don't worry about, don't get overwhelmed with all the things you don't know and, and you know how to do. We've helped you ascertain and really pinpoint what you need, what you need to do and, and, and what things you need to do and in what order. And those things may change slightly as you progress, but let's go on and do the very next thing. Just do this thing and check back in in three days or a week, you know, whatever. And then we'll go and you have a community that can support you and the, the, the platform can support you. That's great. And, and you know, the surprising thing is, is that the things that are stopping people, a lot of them are just perceptions. Yeah. It's like just mental perceptions. Like the biggest one that we've seen again and again is fear of competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I really like this idea. I kind of want to do this idea, but I just, yeah, there's just too much competition. And so here, here would be a great thing. So they go, they go through that first thing, you pinpoint it, and then, then you go through a page because... You know, people do customer support and they come on and there's like a huge list of like the solutions already to that. Yeah. Customer support. So we look up in a database like, okay, here's how we solve this problem. Yeah. So they go to that and then it's like, rather than, you know, the, the community on off the cuff coming up with, hey man, don't worry about this and that coming up with reasons why you've already done it where it's like, That's here are yeah. 20 examples of bootstrap startups that start up in the last three to five years People know who start up with competition and they succeed it. And here's their direct quote about and the reason, you know, and the reason why. And we don't have that part yet, but what we do have the part is being able to just go in and say, "Look, this, this, and this. This you shouldn't fear it because this. These are the reasons why." And one person who basically was about to start work on an, on one of the ideas basically was so swayed by this argument. They said, "You know what? There's this idea I've been really wanting to do, and I'm going to do it now." Yeah. And they set up a landing page and now they're doing that idea and it's, it is a competitive idea, but they don't care, you know? Yeah. And because like basically the answer, the, ultimately the antidote to competition, in my opinion, is to just work on something you give a shit about. 
Because if as long as you give a shit about it, you're not going to give it up. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> passion passion can overcome fear, right? right. Like I, it's like a lot of times. If, yeah. If if you're fearful that this thing isn't going to work, I mean, that can be enough to stop you if you don't. If you, if it's just about money, right. it's just about success. Exactly. If it's like you know, I just want to do it because it'll be fun. I, you know, I don't, I don't really care. And that's why sometimes people who are going after passion projects don't want to hear about the competitors out there. It's like, don't tell me. I, I want to do it. I just want to do it because I want to do it. And um, that's why it's so important, I think, to really go after things that you fundamentally care. I think y yeah. you, you have so much more staying power. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, there are always examples of people who started stuff up and to flip it and they were successful at flipping it, but that's the minority and they got a little lucky that they were able to flip it, that all the timing was right and the funding was right and the acquirer came along. But I bet you look at most of successful startups were started by somebody who uh, just felt like they had to do that idea. Now, sometimes they oversell it and they go, oh, like I was born to do this. It's like, dude, you know, like what you thought was interesting at the age of 15 or 20 or 25 or 30. I mean, it always changes. And, you know, what your passion or what your, ha your have to solve problem at 25 might not be your have to solve problem at 40. But whatever it is when you started at that moment, at that period of your life, that was like the right thing for you to do. Or that was a very good thing for you to do because you found it so I think, exciting. I think that there's, there's a bit of subtlety to that because people are often passionate about things that don't have much of a hope of making them any money. Like, so the subtlety is, how do you find something that you care about that also can make you money? And that's the hope, you know, if you get, if you get like a whole bunch of ideas thrown at you by people who've said they're prepared to pay for it, then through, through that kind of framework, you may be able to find something that you kind of care about and yeah, you can make money. It's what we call in mathematics, a necessary but not sufficient condition. <laughs> so you want both the the passion for it or the the interest the fundamental interest in it and yeah. you want the um economic promise because anything you're interested in at some point becomes work right because exactly. you know there might be 20 or 30 percent of it that's just pure fun but at some point you get to it and it's like there's all this customer support and marketing and bug fixing and you know fundraising and uh, accounting and legal it's just not fun it's just but that's what's required to run an ongoing concern. It just, there's other stuff that has to be done. And if you're not making any money and it turns out that 70% of your time is spent doing stuff in support of this fun stuff, you just get overwhelmed, just like, ah, oh, screw it. Or other parts of your life just overwhelm you. It's like, well, I got stuff at work and, you know, you know, my wife has this stuff going on and now I have to help out more, you know, because of this. And so I, we don't have time as a family. You know, I mean, just life imposes itself on you and it, it it loses its priority and then it loses momentum and then it dies. Yeah. But if it's bringing in two or three or $4,000 a month, then that can sustain you through doing things that you don't necessarily want to do, um, reprioritizing and say, well, you know, this actually makes a, a chunk of change for our family. Uh, we need to keep this going. This is a thing. So um, there's something else I want to talk to you about, um, which is like only slightly related, but some small percentage of people are just really mad about this. Like they're really angry about what we're doing here. Like they they just they're just mad. Like how can you charge fifty dollars for just sending out ideas? You know, even though it's like very clear that it's not just ideas, that it's prop, that it's research, that we pay for those things. But like it just makes them so angry. 
and it's just a small percentage of people but yeah it's kind of it it's well, like so, interesting i just i'm trying to wonder like what could be the the reason why they get so mad about that uh you know it's it's well one and my favorite saying is always one more asshole than you count on <laughs> there's always gonna be some people who are angry and tr- but, gonna be trollish and they're but just, no one were ever trollish about pluggier for example no one ever said oh i'm so mad you started pluggier you oh, know there were people who were mad at you for 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 they hated Plugio because you were automating. Oh, I suppose yeah. There a lot of true. people angry right. about There's going to be people who don't. It, it was like um, Steve Yegi, who uh, he wrote stories some fun, you know good blog posts and stuff, and he um, he he hit this great one. It was so funny. It said like n- you'll never have more than sixty six percent of her upvotes on Reddit. Nobody like you know you never two thirds you never you, you know I mean not as a just a law but just generally speaking like yeah you could say cats cats are cute or something no you know you have third <laughs> people like hey cats cats are cute you know it's just you just you just can't worry about them right there's yeah. those people are not your market you can't worry about it but I think also it comes to the fact that people want stuff for free people have so they're so, mad that they can't just get it well no so there's a you know you know how this um. There's this thinking for a long time that ideas were patentable or you need to be, everything had to be protected under NDA. And as the whole startup ecosystem has evolved, it's been more about, you know, ideas are worthless. It's all about execution. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of that general undercurrent of beliefs is that ideas are, 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 are worthless. Therefore, they should be free. And you guys are charging for this. Maybe it has something to do with that. That some of these people come in, they're like, they're Hacker News veterans, right? And yeah. like, Hacker News, we've all determined that ideas are worthless. You're talking about it. This is stupid. You know, we get on Hacker News. It's like, well, then don't worry. You know, that's But it. we've literally proven that ideas are worth one buck 63. Like, we have proven that. Because people are paying at least one buck 63. Well, they're working at least that. They're paying at least one buck sixty-three, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because it's like they get thirty ideas a month for for forty-nine bucks. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you 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 talk about anything out there, and there's gonna be some people who are who are who think it's stupid and would never pay for it and are mad. I mean, you know, and and the internet it's it breeds it it breeds kind of trollishness and 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 hating because I think it's troll. Yeah, you're I not think- in per you're not in person, and they just. They, they just, people just react. And if they were talking to you in person, they wouldn't go, I'm so mad this exists. But you know, that people just react on the internet and they'll just, rather than saying, you know, I I'm just surprised it, that people pay for this. They say, oh, this is stupid and angry. I can't mad, you know. But it, it, it doesn't take like a huge amount of, of thought to think, okay, pe- pe- it's kind of like a mixing, a mixer event. I mean, it's in a sense, it's like a little, little, you know, conference, you know, like it's like this ongoing conference where people are giving each other, you yeah. know, useful help yeah. like so in, in its own right i mean people pay thousands to go to these conferences you yeah. know it's dumb so yeah, yeah. it's just a ignore okay push ignore. the ignore button on that okay um t- tell me when you're sick of nugget because like i've got more different sure. different yeah. pieces to go on so customer interviews we've been we've been calling people who paid and like you know saying why did you pay <laughs> yeah that's great yeah. that's important and um we've got some great um so one thing is the surprising thing to me is People are not just inter- interested in bootstrapped ideas. They want moonshots as well. So, Oh, okay. So let's just... So, so venture-funded are not moonshots. So let's just be clear. Like, moonshots are things that are really out there, really the, unlikely to fail. Funded, so like venture-funded are just venture-funded. Like, so there's this, this, this sort of a spectrum. Like, yeah. like bootstrap doesn't have to be... Um, that it's a it's a it's a, a low ceiling. They yeah. often tend to be 
Um, but they're at the very least, it's easy to. It's something that's addressable with uh, with low cash flow, right? Right. But they tend to have smaller ceilings, at least the initial yeah. conception of them. Yeah. Obviously, venture funded by the nature of the fact that someone's giving you a lot of money and they're expecting, and they, it's high risk, they're expecting massive returns. They want 100x, 1,000x. So it's obviously much bigger market. Now, Moonshot, of course, is that stuff that's just crazy that it's like, look, this is probably going to fail, which is not how <laughs> venture funded, like, they don't think this is probably going to fail. Like, this should work, even though they often don't. This should work. But Moonshot is, you know, the kind of stuff that like Google Project X, like, exactly, just, just really interesting so, stuff. But that's know? just kind of the other end of it. But, but so, yeah. So it's like, so what? So one thing that's come come out of the customer interviews is that we should we got we can't do this yet because we don't have enough cash to to source this much stuff, but we should have you know like days should have like a theme, you know, like Moonshot Friday, mm-hmm. you know, like Throwback Thursday, because we because we do get a lot of thi- Taco uh, Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> we get like we get a lot of submissions where people are, are like talking about. Oh my God! I'm using Microsoft Excel and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that and like there's you know they're they're trying to interface between two different old tools. Mm. So obviously there's there's loads of interesting markets in loads of different yeah. you know weird places. That'll help you come up with new ideas or source different ideas in a category. You know yeah. You know you know days. This is the this is the day. Fix broken stuff. You know it's like you know people are complaining about like what what what's broken about certain software they use and so. What, here's another poll we did. What do you do with the nugget? Right. <laughs> uh, 50% of people, I open and read it. Right. right? Uh, 25% of people, these give my brain a spark. They're better than coffee. You know? I'm like, that's that's kind of cool, right? Uh, and then um, other 25% of the people, I just, I don't, I don't do the email thing. I just always refresh the community. I want to see when it comes up there. So I'm just doing it directly in the community. So $50 a month. 50 bucks. That's good. Yeah, which is which is kind of it's expensive and it gives us some wiggle room for, for potential discount stuff and things like that. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you could have a a range of services and then you can have more of a spectrum, you know, lower end stuff and. Oh, I just want to sorry for interrupting, but yeah. fifty bucks a month. It's such an interesting price point. We have had in the customer interviews people saying it's way too cheap. You right. guys are giving this away for fifty bucks a month. Are you kidding me? This should be like two hundred a month. You know. But and then, but then we have other people who say fifty a month. That's ridiculous. I'll pay nine. I've never. I'll give you ten bucks. That, like fi- this is ridiculous, and it's such a funny concept. Like people's ideas and perception of value, and you know, just just money and what's worth paying for. It's crazy. Well, I think in the end, it's you could probably walk the price up, and in the end, you may walk the price up. You'll probably layer on some services and layer it up, grandfather some people in, and you know, over the period of the next six to. 18 months or something but and the reason is that if there are people willing to pay more you want to be able to capture that but you also want to keep adding value to the system and Mm -hmm. you know we did an interview with uh i can't remember his name but he was talking about how uh they what was they had it was like a it was like an a b uh testing kind of platform and uh he was talking about how like they, they just kept raising their prices. The more they raised their prices, the more they got rid of high of, of all their headache customers. It was just oh yeah, it just got better yeah. and better and better. It's like the more they raised their price, it was like, you know, we made more money and had less headache. And they raised again th- more money and even less headache. I think it's gonna be like that. I I mean I, well I th- I think that is a, a real thing. Yeah, so that'd be know. something you've been experimenting with. But at this point, you need a critical mass for to supply the community exactly with feedback. So you can't you you wanna make sure that you have um, sort of like 
user's despair. <laughs> if you're like, what? critical mass is that we have to have, you know, whatever it is, 40 pain, you know, 50 pain, you want to make sure you have like a 100, 150 or something. So it's like, well, if we lose half the people or we lose a third of the people, it's not going to kill us. We still have plenty. I mean, that's the reason where 50 comes from, because... You know, it could have been 10. It was 11 initially, like we said in the last that's show. That's what I told you. I yeah. that's and it's like, that was kind of too low. And, and like, it kind of made us realize, wait a second, that doesn't show value. Like, it doesn't yeah. show value. Yeah. But like, you know, at what point does it show value? But it's not too expensive for like a lot of people. And, you know, people, because we only want people who are serious and who are really. Right. If they're paying $11 a month, that's maybe not that serious. Right. Because we want. Like the only thing we want is for these people to build successful businesses, you know, and we want to be part of that. We want to help them. We want them to be, I don't have a better word than alumni, you know, I wish I had a word to say what they, if they've, if they've selected a business and they're working on it, I don't know what to call that, but alumni is the best word I got. But we want, (laughs) yeah, we want, you know, like that's all I want. I want to help people. Right. That's, that's it. Um, Something else I wanted to mention Sourcing the ideas is going to become a problem. We're just two weeks into this, and I can already see that it's going to be an issue. Why? Um, we're, we're sourcing them right now through Mechanical Turk. Mm-hmm. And Mechanical Turk is a workforce of around 50,000 people, but we're only sourcing them from US-based people. And we're spending a little over maybe 500 a month right now, like just at the current run rates. Mm-hmm. So basically, I've, I've tried lots of different tests, you know, like asking asking the question because basically I just asked this simple question, you know, what is a pain what is a pain point in your daily work that you think could be solved by software? Right? That's where we get the ideas from. And um there's different price points you can you can put it at. Like so you, you could you could pay someone 20 bucks to answer that question. Right. But the problem is is like you know anyone could just answer and you don't know who the hell it's going to be. You can pay someone 20 cents. So if you pay if you pay someone 20 cents, not very many people answer it and if you pay someone 20 bucks, you spend a lot of money. And the sweet spot that I've found is like a buck, you know? So you will get a very wide range of people answering for a buck. But it's still like a 20 to 1, you know, kind of thing. So 20, sp- 20, 20, 20 answers to find something that might work, you right. know? Um, so that's a pretty high kind of fail rate. Yeah. But also, the other 19, and, and it's, it seems to be already happening, like, yes, there's 50,000 people, but it's a, and it's a large worker base, but a lot of them are in a similar space. A lot of them, you know, like in customer service or education, they're all kind of mm-hmm. similar kind of people who managed to find their way to MTurk. And so they're all basically saying kind of, not the all, but a lot, you will see a, a big pattern of, because one class of people, they kind of have a similar kind of problem. Yeah. So that just keeps coming back. So even though I can see that it's new people, it's not the same person answering, it is new people, it's the same problem, Yeah. you know? Yep. So we are going to have to, Ex, ex, extend that expand that work out how to deal with that to get to 365 of these things because the the bar's pretty high like the ones that we've put out are ge- genuinely can be genuine businesses yeah so i don't know the answer to that um mm-hmm. i've got some theories um <clears throat> i think maybe we could i don't know somehow promote it for people to just submit it for free i mean if they just really have a bugbear about something going on in their life but right I guess we're going to have to use like Facebook ads or Google ads or Reddit ads, different kind of yeah. ways. But it's yeah. anyway, that's that's something that's already you can already yeah, see. I can already see that. A so that's a bottleneck. Bottleneck, yeah. Um, but I think that's the right idea. So the idea is validated. You know, I think it's validated enough to this point where we think it's good. So 
you know, what we're going to work on is content marketing. Do I'm going to do a bunch of blogs about the kind of stuff I've been talking to you about. We're going to build some micro tools. Uh, do the old Gabriel Weinberg trick of doing little micro tools. Like, for example, I have this idea for um, product founder fit. I bought productfounderfit.com. Okay. And basically, it's this little tool where you kind of type in some facets of your personality, mm -hmm. and then it suggests the type of startup you should do. Right. You know? Right. Things like that. Um, and I guess just to wrap up, uh, for the future, uh, we see the nuggets as just the very beginning of what's possible. Um, like I said, the gateway drug. But I think the long-term plan here, the what's exciting me about it anyway, is the possibility of starting a new type of incubator. Um, maybe imagine something like a community-oriented version of AngelList. You know where you where you know we have rather than, I, I don't think angelists do it like this but like in this community we have an opinion you know about what you're doing you know we give you tools we 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 train you um basically it's just an all-round community about building successful startups right 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 so that's the that's the nugget update the nugget update so are are you and uh are you and ken working well together yeah are you good partners yeah yeah we are not like you and me no, <laughs> no, but uh, there's, you know, there's the complimentary, there's, there's issues, skill sets. you know, there, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. There's issues. Uh, that, sorry, we are complimentary and it, mm -hmm. it has worked very well, but there's also issues like you have with anyone. Yeah. Um, and, but we've been speaking to each other, you know, regularly for like six months. So we've built up some kind of relationship, Rapport but so thing. far the issues are, the, there's really just one issue, which is, um, you know, he, he doesn't have as much time as I would like, and I kind of keep bugging him. Yeah. Like, do this. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, that's kind of the only issue. And uh, I guess I'm kind of being a bit of a micromanager, you know, so I should just, I just need to pull back a little bit. Yeah, yeah you kind of have to, well, yeah, you figure out like kind of what your sphere of, like, you draw some boundaries. Right. About what it is that, you know, you're going to be responsible for and they're responsible for. And, you know. And well, he's basically taken, the funny thing is, he's taken responsibility for the tech. You know? okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and and he's not he's not using any tech that he builds. He's only using Off tools stuff. like Airtable, Z Zapier. You know, so you guys are not building all the stuff from scratch. There's just nothing using... built. No, no. Everything, Interesting. That's smart. Yeah. Everything is. Well, that's that's kind of his decision. And he basically said, you know, that's the only way I'm I'm go I'm gonna help you out is if I do that. You can do you know brand and marketing and all the other stuff. But I'm doing. I'm going to do well, all that piece. See, you know, as we as we've talked about a number of times in the show, I mean, one way to really hide from doing the things you need to do as a technical founder is by just spending all your time building the tech. Right. Right. You just basically use it as a um, an avoidance technique. Yeah. You know, oh, I just got to debug this. I got to add this thing in. I got to do this database queries, and then then I'll go and do this other stuff. And then there's always more technical stuff to be done. And um, by you, for instance, not engaging in that all your thought thinking goes into building the business yeah that's 100 percent of my thought which is interesting so i'm i it, and it's it's the that's the other thing that i like about this it's the role that i've kind of wanted to do but haven't really been able to and it's the role i've wanted to do because i'm not particularly great at it or i haven't been and i need practice at it i need practice at marketing i need practice at building uh, building the customer base that's what i need to practice well I, you know i think one of the great things about it, you seem super excited about it yeah i mean you weren't super excited about light, but I, I felt like you were just trying to swallow swallow a watermelon with that one. Right. You know, it was just it'd be so. It didn't have product hard. counterfeit. Yeah, it's just yeah, right. That's true. But it's just it just 
it was going to take a lot of money to try and conquer that. And there was already a lot of competition from funded uh, ventures and uh, Postmates and stuff like that. And mm. I don't know. It just seemed like the, you, you, the, the deck was stacked against you right? in a big way. Um, but here, I don't think the deck is stacked against you. I think it's it's a uh, it's a it's a small it's a very niche market, but it's there's enough there it could be enough in there to build a really nice business for you guys, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also but more importantly something you're really excited about. It's fun. I mean, right? this is what you want to do all day every day is brainstorm <laughs> ideas and brand. It's that's, what that's I just kinda, do anyway. It's what you want to do so we actually <laughs> can make money from it, right? <laughs> yeah. So rather than calling me up and saying, hey, I got, I got this crazy idea to brainstorm with, and I'm like, I thought you were already working on something. Yeah, yeah, I got another idea. Like, <laughs> you're doing it as part of your business. Mm. There's a, there's, and then, because when you would do that stuff, there's always a bit of guilt. Like, I'm talking and thinking about this other thing. I need to be back and working on this other thing. It's funny you should say that, because even, we, we have the official chat, the, the official channel of nuggets, mm-hmm. which are the things that we've analyzed. Mm-hmm. But we also have another channel in there called Idea Pitches, because one channel just isn't enough. <laughs> Right. So already, like, for four, four <laughs> I think I've posted three and someone else has posted one idea pitch, which is just like pitching an idea that we think is good. And of those, one of them, someone's now doing. Yeah, even that. So basically what I noticed was that, you know, discourse in its own right, the, co- the community platform that we're using, like, it doesn't have a way of, like, keeping people engaged. You know, you know how, like, Dunning works? Have you heard of Dunning? Dunning. Dunning. So basically, um, Dunning, Dun- Dunning is a process of keeping people up to date with their credit cards. So as soon as you like, is see this, a, some- is this an English term? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you see, so you see someone, you know, is about it, it has a failed credit card. Basically, it's what Recurly does. You know. Okay. So basically, you keep you keep looking at people's credit cards and you see, oh, they're gonna, their credit card is going to be out of date in a month. So send them an email saying to update their credit card and then send them an email 15 before, fifteen days before. Right. And the same thing happens if they fail. And it's basically this thing where it just keeps track of that card. So my thought was dunning for like discourse, you know, when you see people like dropping off and they haven't said something, you know, send them an email. Hey, you know, th- th- there's a great post you, you should talk on. And uh, I mean, there's so many, there's, thousands of people who've installed discourse and i'm i can only think that all of them would want a more active community right you know so that was a suggestion and someone's like okay i'm i like that i'm gonna do it <laughs> so what is um what does georgie think about all this um she's well you know she's super skeptical of anything i do you know right um but she's more impressed with the with the launch of this than with plug yeah. Because she's like, money talks, bullshit walks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. You know, like you, all your squawking about how we're going to change the world, billion ideas, she's like over that. Like she's built up, she's, she's evolved in immunities to that. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you know when you go, oh, let me tell you this, this one's, oh, this one's really going to be big. You know, <laughs> she's just like, whatever, you know. Um, you know, please take the baby out for a walk. <laughs> you know? and she's like, right. all right, you know, but now you're like, we've actually made money. So she's, she's, Taking a little more seriously. Yeah. Eh, that's good. Well, that's, that's another reason to focus on real revenue mm-hmm. is you get her buy-in and her support, which is important. Mm-hmm. You know, you need, you need the wife. You need the wife to be behind you and not kind of think you're wasting your time. And Because any time you spend doing this, it's not spent time, you know, probably doing things that she would like you to be doing or be more involved in. So it's like, okay, this has to be for a good cause. If she th- thinks it's stupid, it's not. It can create stress and resentment. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
That's all I got. Good, man. Thanks. So, um, all right. On to the next. What are we going to talk about next? Well, I think it's your turn. Okay. Well, I'll start off with this. Oh, wow. Let me see. Okay. Now, so, okay. So let me just talk about it for a second. So, um, Battle Math, which is this idea I had two years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea of creating a competitive card game, kind of like a Magic the Gathering or Netrunner or Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, you know, there's a million of them now. But that would be based around math because I was trying to figure out, like, how can I get these kids to do more math math problems? How can I trick them into doing math problems for fun? And I thought, you know, rather than, like, <laughs> using, let's use Magic the Gathering. Probably most people I'm sure are familiar with it, even though I played it. But you, you each have a deck of cards. It's like a trading card game that you, you know, you, you build your deck of cards and you have creatures and spells and you mm. know, things like instants and these things. And um, they each have different powers and they have different costs and offense and defense. And you sit down across someone else and you like attack with a creature, you attack with a spell <laughs> and they give special defenses and offense and, you know, and things. And uh, people love it. It's a ma millions of people play it. It's, but it's, and so I thought, you know, I always thought that was neat. I never, I've never played it, but I always thought the, the concept was interesting. And I thought, you know, what if you could do something like that? But rather than attacking with a spell or a creature, I could attack with a math problem. And you could defend, and you had to be able to answer the problem. Otherwise, I scored points on you. You lose health or whatever. And <laughs> but maybe there be cards in between. Like you could put a card that like I can't talk, I can't attack any type of problem that's an algebra problem for two steps, or that I, or anything I attack with geometry only gets you know uh, half of its a maximum one point damage. Or if I Attack and I and I and I uh, you know attack you with a um, geometry problem. I get double or you know any number of crazy ways of mixing it out and creating some randomness there. So it's like if you and I are not exactly equal, it's not just me giving you math problems and you giving me math problems. There's a gaming aspect to it too. There's mm -hmm. some strategy and some luck and some you know unexpectedness and some yeah. flavor to it. So um, I spent I was really thinking about it a lot about a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, and then I just I got, um, you know, just teaching the class and stuff just took up so much of my mental bandwidth that I just didn't ever quite finish getting it going. But I, I built a pretty good, like, technical infrastructure to be able to generate these cards. Because what, there's a website called makeplayingcards.com where you can actually go log in to their site, set up a project, and you can say, you know, I want playing cards of this size. I want tarot playing cards or bridge size or poker size or I want double faced or single faced or I want all the front face to have this same image in the back face. So you can design however you want, right? Mm -hmm. Or I want like high-end linen or plastic. Like, like there's different, mm -hmm. you know, qualities and stuff. And, um, That's awesome. And, but you had to like design all these cards. Yeah. Which was not There was easy. some work involved. There was a lot of work. So I, but I figured out a way <laughs> with using like I created a little system using PHP where we create a template and you would write stuff using like MathJax, which is like the you know, the, the, the equation layout language, and then you know, it would generate these PDFs, which then be converted to JPEGs, and then it, and then it would all be a big directory, and then I could just drag and drop them onto the or upload the site and do it. So I got a lot of that through way through, but then I stalled out. And I started thinking it more recently, especially it was over the summer. I was just like, you know, it'd be fun to get this going again. It was a way to get the kids to review and stuff. And but I knew just to get over that bar of like going out and generating all the cards and and not just the problems 
not the problem because you have problem cards that have a problem on one side and a solution on the other but then you have all these other like i'm calling these sort of game mechanic cards and it was just going to take time to think through that and just do it you know because anytime hmm. you have to start thinking about what you want to do it's a good reason to stall out yeah you're like i don't know i don't want to do this way i don't that way i'll <laughs> think about it tomorrow you know and you just kind of don't do it and i thought you know and then a couple a few weeks ago i took the kid I t- I t- we did a um like a i used to i used to call these algebra and ice cream at the penguin yeah penguins yogurt frozen yogurt place and they have a big table and you could go there and get coffee and ice cream or whatever and I, I I would do a lot of tutoring weekend tutoring sessions with them, and I thought you know get everybody to show up, and I, I, let's I'm just going to try and play it with note cards, and we did it, and the kids got really into it, but it was kind of a fail in the sense that I didn't have problems for them. I had they had to invent the problem on one side and write solution, okay. but it just got too much time. Yeah, it was too time consuming between rounds, and it just didn't really work. But the essence of it was there, and then having note cards was kind of crappy and yeah. it's kind of hard to tell is this a card or is this just an extra blank card having sitting here it just was not the production value was just too low and but i thought okay i think i could do this so what i thought and the idea of like sort of like agile iterative development i'll go and get cards printed out that are blank on one side so i'll just can write on them with a pen on the fly and so then I can prototype stuff really quickly and we just kind of see if we can get something going. Hmm. So I, I said, all right, I'm going to give myself literally like half hour to design the card. I'm not going to sit there like, you know, what do you want the back of the cards to look like? And, you know, you could just spend so much time doing that crap. And, and if I don't worry about generating the cards programmatically and I just have them blank, then I can just generate a bunch of cards, just let's get through this loop, have them sent to me, and then at least we have something. So here... Uh, what I'm showing Justin is the uh, there's a uh, what they call it the box that holds them, which I thought was kind of neat. It's called you know Battle Math, which I thought I nice. said. So I designed it really simple, just says Battle Math and white and has a black box and you know it's glossy box. And um, I was like, I I I was when it comes to design, like a lot of things you want to play within your game. And I have a really small game. So <laughs> it comes to design stuff like I'm gonna keep it really simple because if I try and get too cute, it's gonna look stupid. Okay, you know, but it's hard to screw up. You know, yeah, no, yeah, that looks great. It's kind of neat, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're so simple. So, and here's a uh, here's the, like one of the cards. Yeah, great. So it's like just... a professional quality. It's just exact... <clears throat> so you just write the the problems on it. Yeah, and I found so you know ballpoint or felt pen won't write on that. It just mm. gets smudges. And I found that, but permanent marker will. But the problem is permanent marker is like it's kind of thick. You know, it's kind yeah. of pen, and it was just like you can't. I'm writing an equation like that would just be really yeah. crappy, but. I went, I just happened to stop by, I stopped by uh, Walgreens yesterday and I found that they have an ultra fine permanent marker, ah. which is like, it looks like you're writing with just a standard felt tip pen, except it's permanent, it doesn't smudge. So I'm like, perfect. So I can, if I have ideas for some cards, I can just real quickly write up 10 cards. Like, All right, here, here are the 10 mechanics I just thought off the top of my head. Let's play with these and see how it works. Now, are they going to be big enough surface, the surface of those cards? Yeah. Um, you're just going to write small. So for the, you know, for the game mechanic and stuff, it'll be fine. You just don't really have to say a whole lot. Yeah, you know, okay. it's, um, you know, whatever the rule is, you keep it. I'll, I'll keep it. You know, I'm not going to put a ton of flavor text. I'm just say this is what the thing is. Um, for the problems, I mean, yeah, you can write. I can write a problem on that side. And but I think for this version of it, the two-sided problem solution cards, the solution. I'm really not going to write the solution. I'm just going to write yeah. this is the answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and because I, I think actually in a lot of cases, this, writing a complete worked-out solution might not really fit anyway. So I'm kind of on the fence of like the whole. Maybe it just describes, you solve it by doing, blah, like, describing at a high level. This is how you solve it. I'm not going to go through every step, and here's the answer. That kind of a thing. Okay. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was neat. I mean, it's just like, they, it, 
when, I, when they came in and I was like, these are like, I was holding up to like the magic cards and a couple other cards. I mean, this is the same quality. I mean, it's, that is it's cool. neat, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, just kind of really cool to see like they're real. Battle math. Isn't that neat? I'm excited. Did you, you probably thought of this, but you know what would be cool would be um, like somehow a card ends up being a variable that becomes an, a part of another problem that adds to your or takes away from your score. So like this card here, somehow it gets a number and then this card here has a problem that includes this number and then that affects it. Your overall oh, like a chain or something. They have kind of relationship. They get yeah, to build something on each like other. that. Yeah. So, so these two cards together have the capability of like really making you successful because this this worked out to be a thousand, and then this multiplied by a thousand is well. yeah. You could yeah, you could do so. I was think I wasn't thinking that in like a specific the problem, but like the category of the problem right. and things like that. But yeah, there are things like that. You you want to introduce introduce things like that, and and so. But the thing is that. With dress great, what's that? They, they look great. They do. Don't they yeah. look great? I was shocked at how. Good, and Col Colby, Colby likes it. Oh, he said really excited yeah, when he saw awesome. it. He's like, "That's neat," you know. And uh, I, <laughs> That's I just black. Yeah, it just it looks cool. <laughs> black is about it. It's really yeah. neat. Um, and yeah, and like even the fact that I was able to design the um, the car, the box that holds them. I forget they call. There's an I forget what these boxes are called, but boxes. No, there's boxes. a there's actually a name for this okay. kind of um, container, but uh. I don't know. It was just it was just neat that you could do that online. How many did you get? How many? Is uh, there? I did 144. You could do oh. they had different size. They had more, and then of course you can order, you know, you got about 10,000 quantity if you wanted. But I just said, let me just give me like 144. Sounds like enough to play test with. Yeah. Because the pro okay, the key with all this stuff is, and why it's so hard to like do it all at first is that, you know, I go, I generate some ideas, I create some cards, I send them off, we get them a week later. And then we test, and then it's like, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't work, and yeah, then I have yeah, other yeah. ideas. But it's like, I need, I need to be able to play test ideas really quickly. You know, and I remember hearing about the history of magic with a guy, Richard Garfield, who started, and he was like, he and his buddies, they were all, he was like a, they, they were all, I think he was doing his PhD program. Uh, he, was in a, he was working on his PhD in math, and there's a couple other, you know, guys who were in a program with him who were also kind of gamers and they would and they they really just had like a little, little cut out like cardboard and they were they would like paste cut and paste like pictures of photocopied pictures and draw right the hand by hand and that was enough mm, yeah and it's fun it's like you know having the high production value is nice and eventually getting there is really cool especially if you want to productize it but you can have fun with it being lower production quality value um but anyway i think this is kind of kind of that quick iteration. I have some ideas like, you know, I could even sit there while they're trying. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm watching these kids play and I realize we need a couple of game mechanics like this to just change it. Mm, Our guys mm. are here, five more cards. Let's try this. Let's see how that That's works. That's cool. Like right there and then. Right there. You got to That's hilarious. You, I mean, people, yeah, you're they're playing the game and you're just, you're literally just going, huh, Okay, he's got too much of an advantage, so I'm going to give him. I'm going to do a new rule that's going to like nobble him. Yeah, we gotta like, yeah, like you know, this is. Yeah, there's going to be things that are not going to. They're, they're going to be cumbersome or not fun. I mean, even at professional games that play test that they have cards that don't work. All in fact, more cards tend to not work than work. Yeah, you know, right. and so you you have to be prepared for that, and you have to be willing to play test and adjust and things like that. So you know, if you're right, well, this is the best way to do it. Um, so awesome. I mean, I'm excited about testing it. So when when are you gonna test? 
Uh, I like to do it next, next weekend. I think we'll start. We'll do our first one. I mean, right. um, Sandy um, took the kids to her parents this weekend. I, I had some work that I couldn't. I had a big demo on Friday, and I couldn't get away in time. So and some meetings. So, um, she they, since they were out of town, we really couldn't do it this weekend. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's Battle Math. So the people who thought Battle Math had died, well, it had died. <laughs> it was just on life support. It was in a coma, and I woke it up. <laughs> you know, but I'm uh, I'm anyway. It should be a lot of fun. So along those lines, um, so. I've I've been I've been thinking of ways to play like games that I can play with my kids. Okay. You know? um, so one thing wh- one thing that you'll see as your kids get older is that you're trying to find way things to do with them. A lot of yeah. times they're doing stuff around you, but you're not really directly doing stuff together. Yeah. You know, and um, it's it's harder than you think because there's just your interest. It's hard with the interest of a of an adult and interest of a five or seven or ten are not the same. And, you know, you just want to find things you can do. I mean, yeah, we can go play in the pool with them and that we can interact and do a lot of, but there's a lot of times where they're just kind of, they're playing in your vicinity, but you're not really. And it's sort of, um, you know, it's just been frustrating me. And I, I've been like, I mean, I can do things that I, with them that they'll enjoy, but I'm just thinking tedious, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is painful. And so you, when that's the case, you always avoid doing it or, you don't do it for very long. You're like, okay, you guys keep playing. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go talk to your mom, or I'm gonna go read a book, or something, because it's just it's hard to do things that are, are tediously. Yeah, boring. yeah, got it. Yeah. So, um, we've been playing uh, Uno a little bit, a little card game, which my, you know, it's a very, very simple game, which my girls love, and you know, Colby likes to a degree, and um, I had played Risk last year with Colby, and he really liked it. Phil came over one time. It was and Sandy and Kobe and I played Risk. And mm. this is really fun. I said, but Risk is still kind of simple. Mm-hmm. And I really like something that was more elaborate. There was yeah. more, more to it. And because Risk can just degenerate into like a dice rolling competition. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, you make some decisions. Am I going to take this continent or am I going to take this other continent? And where am I going to place my troops? But then it just becomes kind of dice rolling. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to play like kind of these strategy war games. As I always thought those were really cool growing up. I saw them and I, I was never quite old enough to, or I never, when, when, when I, when they were around me, there was a, there was a family that lived next door. They were like the smart family that I would, so I, I had like my smart friends and then my sports friends. You mean like a Dungeons and Dragons type thing? Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, yeah, so I'll get to that. So yeah, um. So I was just backtrack. So like I and my and I grew up in the neighborhood, and I had like the the smart friends I'd hang out. I played chess and Dungeons and Dragons, and you know that kind of stuff with. And then I had the sports friends, and you know whatever. So and this family, they had one kid who was a year younger than me, and one that was a couple years older, and one was like five years older. And um, and they, their father and the older oldest brother would play this uh, these war games from made by like Avalon Hill, and they were like these really intricate hexagon shaped maps and it would be like third reich or gettysburg or the mm. you know and then like and we, these games would go on for for days or weeks and mm. and they would have like all these different types of naval troop you know and artillery <laughs> and cavalry and it was just looked cool mm. but it was it was beyond me at that time it was like 11 or 12 I, yeah. you know it wasn't like something i could learn on my own or really do but i always wanted to do something like that and I, and I started thinking, I was like, it'd be so fun to do something like that, but with more of a science fiction element to it. Mm. 
because I like science fiction. I'm not so interested in, like, say, Getty Civil War stuff or Revolutionary War. I don't really – as a theme, it doesn't really interest me. Um, but I was like, you know, I wish there was, like, an advanced version of Risk, but, like, science fiction with, like, starships and, you know, you know <laughs> star systems and you building up your fleets and, you know, kind of something like that. But I couldn't find anything that was really that. There were things that had sort of elements of it, but there were much more like civilization building or, you know, diplomacy kind of stuff. And I was just like, eh. And, <laughs> you know, for a minute there, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll just would make my own, you know. <laughs> that's that's like right. so, so Jason. Right. Anyway. Well, there's this, this company that does the makeplayingcards.com. There's one called boardgamemaker.com, which is like their other site. I think it's the same yeah. company. And you can actually get, you can upload it and have a professional quality board printed out and professional quality like that's awesome you know like what they call chits is what they're called the little yeah you know things and tokens and all stuff and i was like that is awesome you know so but sandy was looking at me she's like one game at a time please <laughs> <laughs> she's like give me a, you know because colby was getting excited he was like yeah yeah and so wait now we're looking at like maps of like the galaxy like what can we use is like the board and you know and i said maybe that's something we could do and i was started thinking maybe what we do is we'll just and I started, you know, I realized that Sandy had a good point. It's like, just focus on battle math right now. Like, just, you know, don't do that yet. And uh, and I started thinking, no, maybe there's these other games out there that are kind of science fiction-like that are sort of what I want, but not exactly. But, you know, maybe we'll do a review of the literature, so to mm, speak. Mm. Let's just play a bunch of these games mm. and see what we like and what we don't like. That's a good idea. You know, yeah. which has, and sometimes they call it, it has too much chrome. There's too much intricacy. What's too simple? What becomes too much too grindy? You know, that's, that's too... better because like just you know doing stuff without ever playing anything, it's kind of like you just don't you know, know enough yeah, about how know. it should really work. Yeah. And so I started thinking about it, and so I started researching boardgamegeek.com is like the that's like the hacker news of this yeah. stuff, you know. And so you know, you, each game has a tons of reviews and tons of forum and people complaining and this and that and where you can you know all the issues about it and. And, uh, and they have like ratings of complexity and, you know, the review average, like IMDB kind of stuff. This is a, you know, 7.7 <laughs> out of 10 rating. And, and so I was working around and I ended up finding what I thought was the perfect game. Well, actually, uh. first I found one, but it was really old. It was called Stellar Conquest. And it was, last printing was in 1984. <laughs> it, was a, it was pretty much exactly what i was thinking about and people were talking about, like yeah it was a great game people were like yeah you know i remember playing it was such a great game it's too bad it went out of print and then um so i i'm actually bidding on that on ebay it was like 25 <laughs> there's a 25 dollar one it was unpunched so it was like pretty much in really great shape and i was like all right let's see if i can get that but then i started to research and there was one that was released in 2011 that was inspired by stellar conquest yeah called space empires 4x <laughs> <laughs> and 4x this is great you know what's called 4x so no. 4x is a category of strategy um of like a strategy war games the 4x stands for um uh explore explain explore expand exploit exterminate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually it should be the four e's but they call it 4x's it has a kind of a pun on pornography triple x right know, right so um but if you ever played like Command and Conquer or Starcraft, it's like you start out, you have a limited number of units and miners and you kind of build, instructors, you build, and you got to right. explore and you got to get more resources and you build up your fleet. And you do technology research and create more advanced ships and you expand out and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly that. 
And I'm like, this is what I was kind of thinking about. Cause I kept like, why does this not exist? <laughs> you know, I mean, most people I know who play risk think, you know, think it's kind of fun, but it gets kind of simple after a while and too grindy. And they, you know, everyone likes science fiction. I mean, look at the movie. I mean, you know, that's what the biggest genre is, but yet all these things are like, you know, Panzer Division, everything, World War II. It's like, how many people are really that interested in World War II stuff? I mean, it's okay, but it's not like, I mean, you don't see a lot of World War II movies popping up. Right, you know? right. Um, so, although I loved that stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm bidding on it. And right now, let me just see where I'm at right now. I have my max bet at 200 bucks. This is your uh, this is your new game, like it, in its own right, buying this thing. Yeah, so let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking up. So, I initially put like an eighty dollar thing. Let's see. Oh, I'm not even connectivity in here. I might have to update my thing. So let me see. Let me see what I'm. I'm gonna update my. See what the bidding's at. One second. Okay. So my max bid's two hundred. The current bid's at eighty seven. It ends in like three hours. So I may actually up it even more to two fifty three hundred because a lot of the good games that are. What was I was thinking like third, third millennium. Eclipse, so Cosmic uh, Encounter, like these all seem uh, are kind of have similarities, you know, maybe like a 40, 60% overlap, but like Third Imperium is like $107. Just for the, and. It, is that eBay? No, those, oh, this one's eBay, all these yeah. other ones, it's just out of print. So something a lot of people don't understand about eBay is they put, they put, they place a bid for like 200, like you've done, and they do it earlier on. And so what happens is, Someone else can come, and it's like an automated climbing yep, system. Yep. Mm -hmm. Someone else comes in, and they'll do. Oh, I'll, you know, mine will go to sixty. So yours then goes and tops them. Mm -hmm. So you get you give it like three days of it having this ca capacity to grow because you've put your two hundred bid in. Right. The optimal way to to play eBay is to basically go in at the end within the last minute. Yeah. And add your two hundred dollar bid right. because otherwise your two hundred dollar bid's growing the whole thing for three days. Yeah. So, yeah. Just wanted to Good say point. that. Good point. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll log in and put it like two fifty, you know, right at the last minute. Because I'm trying to think, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to exactly. think what my what my sort of reservation price, like what's the max I'd pay. Yeah. And it's like you know I really don't want to pay three hundred dollars for a game, but I really want this game. Yeah. And if I don't get it, then it's like oh we got these other games which are which should be could be fun, but it's not quite on the mark of what I want. Yeah. So so on that topic. I'm going to rope you into playing with us. I, oh, well, you've, I'm already, yes. You like of games, course, right? Of course, yeah. So I was thinking about this because Phil's interested. Oh, yeah. So Phil's interested. But the, but there is one problem. I mean, it's it's going to depress you how much I crush you. That's fine. I That's, mean, well, you're just going to be. Well, if you're that good, well, you know what happens <laughs> Of course is, I am. You, well, you, I, know your, I know your pattern. You talk a big game, and then we get started, you start making all these excuses right before you start. <laughs> oh, yeah, the best thing. Like, like, well, you know, I haven't played in a long time. Well, you know, I had a headache. And it's like, all right, well. Well, here's what happens is when everybody thinks you're good, then you have a target on your back, and everybody's going to be shooting to take you out. That's right true. That's true. You, you need to lay low, man. Yeah, that's true. I was just talking to Sandy uh, when she was <laughs> driving back. She said a she had she and the kids were playing a What's Up Doc tournament. What's Up Doc is one of these little kid yeah. board games, and the winner was going to get to choose a special treat. They wanted to get ice cream or donuts or whatever, and everybody was really into it, and particularly Izzy, I think. And Colby won the first game, and so you know what happened after that? He had a target on his back, so Izzy went to take him out first every time so he could never win another game after that <laughs> it really are times so she ended up winning the whole thing right and it was like when i remember we were playing uh risk uh you know i don't know a few months back and it was 
Phil, Colby, Sandy, myself. Yeah. And Phil kind of got stuck in Europe. But I tell you, he was going to build a stronghold in Europe. And Sandy and I were battling it out over North uh, North America. <laughs> we, like, neither of us would give an inch. I'm like, damn it, woman. <laughs> I am going to take North America. And I would get all of it. And she would do the same thing. And we're just grinding each other down. And Colby's sitting down there in Australia. And we're like, yeah, that guy's he's not. Colby's not going to do anything. Because he's stuck. He's, there's not enough to do down there. And then he's going to try and take Asia. And that's impossible. As we know, never take a fight a land war in Asia. <laughs> and so... So Phil's sitting over in Europe, and I'm like, Phil is a very good strategist. And so I'm like, I cannot allow him to exist. So I immediately said, I got like a, all you know, my cards in, I got like 25 armies or what. I put them all, and I just sat them on the one guy, one guy I owned in Southern Europe. So he's just like, <laughs> what the hell, man? I'm like, you're not, good. You're not doing anything. <laughs> I was like, but I had to do it because I know how good he is. Yeah, you know, and he's right. kind of pissed because it was kind of a it was kind of a suicide bomber. <laughs> but I was like, well, I don't know, man. Well, well, so you know, Phil's better than me, so you should just continue with that strategy. I don't know. I think keep I'll have attacking to Phil. I know, and I, don't, I, yeah. don't don't think about me. But yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll, I'll be. I'll be <laughs> so, but so you'd be up for playing? Oh sometimes? god, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was You're thinking. You know, Phil would be good. Of course, I want there's something I want to do with Colby, and he's really into this stuff. Another friend of mine, Todd, who's really funny guy, and I think he would like this. You'd like you'd like Todd. Um, How many players do you need? Well, I mean, you could do it on with two. You actually can play it solitaire, but um, <laughs> you know, I think ideal stuff is four or five players. You know, more players is these things are yeah. more fun. So I was thinking maybe we do is in a, maybe next weekend or something. I'll get the game. But I was th- luckily on YouTube they have like these get started tutorials, <laughs> so I could say here's. Go watch a couple of these things so everybody comes in and they kind of feel like they know how to do it. And then together we can kind of just consolidate as opposed to like, okay, rule number one. You know, we see yeah, this for like an yeah, hour and a yeah. half. It's just really painful. Yeah. I'd like everybody to come in and go like, I got it. I know how to do this, you know. And then then it's just this arguing over some minutia as opposed to, you know, figuring out, you know, how the whole thing works. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. But I thought it'd be neat. Because you, you, you design Swarm, I, so obviously you like games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so what are fun. the games to read? No, I, I'm kind of excited about um, about that board making place I've, I, I've really wanted to get swarm done up as a proper board game boardgamemaker.com yeah so i'm gonna go and check that out now it's neat yeah it's really cool i didn't exist. it was so cool when i saw it existed because like the big like the thing one of the big motivators for me about swarm was to create a game that could be you know a, a classic game but like it's a modern game so a game that could not like chess and not like backgammon but a game that could stand up yeah. to those games mm-hmm. Because I haven't really seen new games come out that stand up to those games. And that's kind of my oh, yeah, It's point. a great game. I think you did a great job at it. So It was uh, no fun playing you because you just crushed me. Well, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to play it and you were just like, just slam dunking right. me. And right. I was like, all right, well, that's not fun. But I, I don't think I would be the best. I mean, I think that other people would be much, much better. But, uh, well, of you course, know. They're always, there's, always, there's always someone better out there, right? You know, yeah. in the big world. But uh, it's it's something that I have, I've had in the back of my mind. Like, I think the ultimate version of it would be to 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 build something in China where you had this board that had like electric lights and somehow it knew it knew what the pieces did. So as the pieces got in contact with the board, it lit up what the what the possible moves were. Mm-hmm. So it's like this cross between. See, the easy thing is to do on an iPad, but like yeah. the really classy one would be to have this like beautiful aluminium board with like little lights that you kind of touch. That that's what I'm thinking right. in the back of my mind. One day, right, right, one right. One day. Anyway, uh, yeah, that I. Thank you.
thank you so much for the invite. I would love to. Yeah, I figured it'd be fun. I know to we... geek out on that. Well, you know, I was thinking yeah. about it. It's like I was I was talking to Phil about this last night. Um, uh, it's it's like because I was telling my buddy Todd, I'm like, you like Todd? He hadn't met Todd. I'm like, yeah, Todd. But it's like I can invite Todd out, and then we just sit there and I listen to those two tell each other stories about, and it's like boring. You know, right. it's just going and sitting and talking. I, I don't, I don't, a lot of times I don't, I like doing stuff. You know, I like talking one-on-one, but groups conversations tend to me go to Lewis Common Denominator or it's people telling each other stuff I already know. Right. So I used to listen, listen to them tell each other stuff of them like, okay, that was fun. You know, where it's <laughs> like, if we go play a game, that'd be really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it'd be, a, it'd be a good excuse to hang out. Yeah. Doing stuff together is, you know, actually doing. Things. Doing. So, um, I, nice. It was funny, funny. So last night, so you know, Cynthia was out of town. Uh, Phil and I grabbed some dinner last night, and then we went down to, um, we went to Indian food, and then we ate way too much. So that was a mistake. <laughs> and he's like, we should do some walk. I'm like, let's just walk down Colorado. I said, won't we walk down to Lucky Baldwin's? You know, that's like a mile away or something. And so we did that. We started walking. But there's this gaming store right across the street. Mm. And I said, I just want to see if they're open. I'll bet they're open right now. And this is like, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night or something like that. Sure enough, they're open and they have a ton of gaming tables there. So people are playing games. And like, you could, we could always go to a place like that. Right. It's yeah. a place where there's a table and it's an easy place to do it. So we're not disrupting, you know, any of our families because they're putting the kids to sleep or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we guys go there. And, um, you know, there's guys playing like magic and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and whatever. And the, you know, it was funny. Like, walking, I was like, this thing is, like, hopping. It's buzzing, right? And like, <laughs> it's like, this is pretty nerdy. <laughs> I was like, with Phil and I were joking, it's like, on the one hand, it's like, I'm so intrigued by all of the cool graphics and the game mechanics and cool. And then it's so nerdy. You're like, ah, oh, it's so nerdy. But you're like, it's so cool. Ah, oh, it's so nerdy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm retracted, repelled, and equal. It's like, I got to get out of here. It's too nerdy. <laughs> that's good <laughs> you know it's just um and it's just like it's irre- it's unrec or irreconcilable for me you know but i thought if we got a group of people i know you like hanging out with phil you and phil get along really well so it's like your friends so that would be you guys are tough hanging out we all have fun hanging out you uh madagascar i've been watching a lot of madagascar recently right. with jack uh-huh. and there's this one there's this one time where alex the lion really misses new york and so all of his friends made a model of new york and he said to them, you have both made, because re- the, the model just really reminded him of New York, like, and he missed it. He said, you've both made and ruined my day at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, well, yeah. this or that or this or that. <laughs> How do I feel about this place? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I th- anyway, I thought it'd be fun to try that game. I'd like to get, hopefully I'll win the bid on this one, get this game, because I think it's, well, so the problem with some of these games is they take a long time to play. Mm-hmm. It can be four to six hours, which is really tough for adults with families to make and this happen. one what, what kind of uh it's closer to like the two hour like risk typical risk game okay. you know two to you know between one and a half to two and a half hour like a half hour per player you know so it's like it's something you could fit in You're like sweetheart it's nine o'clock you guys went i'm gonna go out and play some games you be like whatever it's like six hours you can't get it done in a night you know and you can't take yeah. it in the middle of the day it's just or sweetheart i'm gone all day saturday to play games your wife is not gonna really talking be to that talking about games did you Get to the two hundred thousand with that game, that iPhone game you wanted to play. No, I'm at one hundred ninety-two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's I haven't. 
I haven't been able to beat the the. It was I sat at like one thirty two for a long time. Right. And uh, Phil got within five hundred of me, and then he kind of switched games. Okay. Um, but uh, it's um, yeah, I still play. I, the thing is though, it's like after a while, it's, it's hard. It's it's really a ten. It's it's at first, it's like this idea of like balance and creativity and stuff. But then it becomes like just like how long can you keep your focus it's, before you for your I don't give a shit. It's work, uh, right? After a while, well, you're fine, but you just kind of go on autopilot and you start taking risks without really just taking risks because you're just becoming patient. You're just like bang, yeah. bang, bang, and it's like it's how long can you stay uh, being careful? As yeah. soon as as soon as you are careless, you can get away with careless. You know, if you're good, you can get out of get away with careless nine times out of ten. But if you play it long enough, eventually you get yourself in a situation you can't get out of. You don't yeah. get, you get unlucky and there's just no 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 fighting your way out. So anyway, but I still play it kind of in downtime. It's like my get my my Candy Crush at Club One or whatever <laughs> Hex Fever or whatever. It's called. So remind us what the name of that game is. Hex Fever. Hex Fever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Um. So we should talk. Math Academy. How much time is it? Uh, we're, do, we're one thir- one hour thirty so far. So, I mean, I actually have a couple things to update on. I'll go through them quickly. Oh well, if you have to. Okay. So first, Freedom Math Academy. Do Operation Superhero. Okay. So, I one thing I did. I think I talked about the last show. I decided to switch to doing just doing machines mm-hmm. as opposed to the freeways because I kept hurting myself with the freeways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, I hurt myself freeways because I I have too much of an ego. And I'm always trying to <laughs> push it to the next level and lift more weight than I probably should be, you know, going mm-hmm. that one extra rep, you know, you and then you kind of use bad form and you just to get it and then you tweak something in your shoulder. Anyway, or I tweak something in my shoulder. So I, I've just been doing it repeatedly. And when you're doing the machines, it's like there's no there's no ego. It's just like uh, you're there's a setting then like plate 11. I, I mean, I don't even know what that weight that is. It just doesn't matter. Um and I found that I can do like 90% of the exercises I want just using machines. And I get through it in about like half the time. Hmm. And I don't injure myself because it forces you to do it correctly pretty much. Hmm. It's pretty hard to screw things up on a machine unless you're hmm. really being an ass. So so that's been going well. Although the other thing that I'm trying to do is I screwed up my back two years ago when I first started doing everything because I was trying to deadlift too much weight when I was using incorrect form. And uh, and I ever since my ever since then my back has just been screwed up. It was like uh, you know as I said, there's some mistakes you never stop playing for. It's like mm-hmm. that one rep, and it's just it screwed me. And so I started. I've been starting to you know go see the Doc Brown who I sent you to, and he's been uh, you know working on my back. I'm in a lot of different. Yeah, he has maybe doing a bunch of different exercises and core you know core exercises for my back, which I think is helping. But the problem is it takes a long time to get through all the stretches like it takes like 30 to you know 40 minutes and i'm like and then when i try and lift and there's if i try and lift there's no time to do cardio hmm. or if i do cardio i don't have time to lift and so now i've just i've kind of just i was talking about this film like you know i think what i need to do is put first things first i need to fix my back and then i and i, I just do cardio and just because i want to drop some weight and then i can always start lifting it's like lack of muscle is not really my problem <laughs> You know, mm. it's like, you know, I, I'd definitely give up some muscle to drop some fat. Mm. And I'd do any any of those, both, you know, I would, before any of that, I'd get my back fixed. But since I only have so many hours in the week, I mean, I can go, I can go work out most days of the week, but I just, it can't disappear for like three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, not only do I 
you know, am I kind of helping out? Like I'm taking or picking up one of the kids from one activity or another, but I want to spend time with them. And if you have to be at the gym for two, two and a half hours, it's like, you know, missing all the time with them, which I'm just don't like. So I'm mm. just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to focus on that. I'm just going to do the cardio. I think I might just, if I do weights, it'll be just like once a week, just to just do quick, just to kind of a maintenance lift mm-hmm. and then just focus on uh, cardio and get my back fixed. So mm. it's kind of an exciting update, but I just was like, no. I'm trying to be realistic <laughs> about and, and prioritize things that need to happen first. So I can't really, li- like I can't do squats. Or I can't really do any of the, the, you know, the jumping, the vertical jump stuff, which I want to start working on until my back's fixed. Just older and wiser, you know? Or just older. Just <laughs> 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 older, which I'm not crazy about. So, um, and then I need to drop weight as well. So those things have to happen no matter what. And uh, anyway, hmm. so that's, and you're still doing the um, super slow? I'm, yeah, I'm doing that. And how's yeah. that going? Great, great. Love it. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. And that's once a week? Yeah. Are you doing anything else? You're walking or doing uh, not so? No, not really. Yeah. Just, just. I mean, I, I intend to, but I'm not right okay. now. Okay. How's but the diet going? Because you're doing this elimination. It's not diet. great. It's it like I got to a point where it's really funny. I got to a point where it. I see. This is the kind of recurring pattern that I have. I get to this point where it's doing really well. I've been sticking with it. I'm doing really great, and then I, I kind of just get this level of confidence. Okay, I'm, I'm going to continue this. This is easy, and then the next day I'm like. It's, it's just all gone. And I'm just, somehow, it's like I hit that peak. I feel like I've got it sussed. And then the next day, I completely screw up. So the overconfidence just, you take it's the, just you, a continual cycle. And, and then it's like, it's like, it's all breaks down like a house of cards because I'm like, fuck it. I've, I've ruined this. Fuck it. So then I just do whatever I want. And I'm like, all right, well, I've, I've like screwed this up. So I might as well just have some things I enjoy today. And then I have this whole day of binging. And it's like, oh my god, the domino effect. Yeah, so I don't know. I I don't even want to talk about it. Well, yeah, I was just say though, it's like, <laughs> you know, I have this theory. I don't I don't know if there's been I don't think there's been any evidence to back it up. So I just put it as a theory is like, you know, we're we, when, you know, I was kind of doing the fair the Tim Ferriss four hour body thing right. to a degree. I mean, I, I I I was having a one day a week cheat day. Mm-hmm. Which worked well. That's how I lost a ton of weight. I mean, you just stay, you know, really strict for six days. But the seventh day, you just go and eat a bunch of crap that you shouldn't eat. And that worked. And I the- my theory is that, because Phil, Phil kept saying, well, I think, I he, 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 he's believed that you could have like three cheat meals a week. And I was, I, I was like, you know, I like that, but I'm not convinced that works. Because I think what happens is your body can only absorb so many calories in a sitting or in a day. So... If you, and I, I think it might be, the rest of your just body's going to get rid of. So if you eat 5,000, 3,000 calories or 5,000 calories or 7,000 calories to a point, it just, it gets kind of asymptotic. Your body just doesn't really absorb it. But it's what's, it, you don't, I would notice I really wouldn't gain any weight on those cheat days. I mean, I would go to town. I mean, it, ridiculous. We donuts and ice cream and pancakes and giant spaghetti dinners and i mean just <laughs> literally to the point phil and i would do it to, sometimes just almost out of funny it was like almost like challenging so like eat that like you know that kind of thing and you really and within three or four days you're making new lows again but when phil started doing the cheat days i didn't get to see him making so much progress because are the cheat meals because 
you would eat next maybe 500 or 700 calories more that day than you should have because you went and had a big spaghetti thing or you actually had pancakes. And each of those days you put on 500 calories on that day. Your body just says, so it's spread out. So what I'm saying is you have one day where you lose it. It's like, okay, fine. One bad day. Then I'm back on tomorrow. So you're, say, so you're saying that's the theory? That's what I found to be true in my case. And, and looking at Phil, observing Phil, Phil's still holding that he thinks it's true. I think he's fooling himself because <laughs> he wants it to be true. <laughs> right. I don't know if there's any research to back this up. So basically you're saying the best thing to do is to be super strict for six days and then one day do whatever you want. Yeah, I think, Yeah. so what I'm saying for you is don't, maybe don't even plan a street day, but when you fall off wagon a day, it's not the big deal. You know, I think that what you, you say could be if right. If you get back to the strike the next day or two, it's, it's all good. Your body's just going to... The, the reason why I'm going to agree and put and, and put some weight behind your theory is that when I gave up smoking, the way that I did it was I basically say, said to myself, in X, X number of days' time, I'm going to let myself have a cigarette again. So it's like I kind of tricked myself to think I would be able to have a cigarette again. Uh -huh. And then when it came to a few days' time, I said, in a few days' time... No, I'm not going to have it now. In a few days' time, I'm going to have that. So... Somehow it's like, if I could say to myself, in seven days' time, I can go hog wild. Yeah. You know, I probably could, you know, I could probably it's, stick to something like well, that. Well, it was. I mean, it worked because you, and then what happens, you go hog wild, and then you do not want that crap. You're like, yeah. oh, I feel terrible. What happened is I overdid it, and I would literally feel nauseous at the end of the day. And Sandy's like, are you sure this is good for you? And but I, are you still, like, are you still doing that now? I mean. um, You know, I started... So what happened was I, I started feeling, like I said, kind of nauseous. Like, it just didn't feel good on those days. Like, it just was like, oh, you know, mm. you just, just really nauseous, sick to my stomach. And, like, like kind of lying in bed, almost moaning, you know. And Sandy's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't think that's really good. You know? <laughs> so what's your strategy now for well, you? Because so you, you want to I, lose so weight I told now. Phil, so Phil and I debate this stuff all the time. I said, all right, I'm like, fine, I'll do your cheat meal thing. And so I'm kind of doing that. I'm not sure it works. Okay. I, I think... Because what happens, you lose track of the cheat meals and you're kind of like cheating more than two or three meals and it's like <laughs> cheating five or six. And of course, you're definitely not making any progress, you know. Okay. And I'm just, I'm just not convinced it works. But regardless, and so I'm still trying to, I'm still, I don't know, I'm kind of, I think what I need to do, I need to give it a fair shot where I keep, I do really hardcore cardio six days a week like I had been doing. And do the three cheat meals and just see as an experiment. And give that, let that, give it, give it like a one month experiment and be able to see if it works. Because I, because the problem is, is that I've been kind of like I said, I haven't had enough times to do a full cardio workout because I'm doing the stretches in the back and da, da da and the weights, and so I'm not really doing enough. I'm not burning enough calories to 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 anyway. So I need to give it a fair shot. I think I might be holding out for a technological solution at this point, like. <laughs> Then surely someone is going to come up with some kind of nanotechnology or some or you kind of sit on your butt technology you where you just like I, the the one the one that I hold out the most hope for is some kind of beam technology. Like basically, it's it's a beam that's going through your system and it's like breaking up the fat cells. That is going to happen. I wouldn't hold your breath. That's going I to mean, happen. It, it, the, the, there will be. Some well, that does exist. That does exist, by the way, like as a technology, but it just doesn't burn very much fat. But basically, they 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 beam ultrasound they beam ultrasound into your system that works at a frequency that will basically boil fat inside you, or it breaks it up anyway, and then the system just gets gets rid of it. Um, there's an Israeli firm that does it, um, and you know it has success, but it only works for people who are basically already thin, 
just to get them super, super toned so that you can kind of really see their muscle tone. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, I mean, this stuff will happen. I'm just not sure it's going to happen in the near term. Really help us very much. But so. you, I mean, you were already sending me articles about like, you know, life extension technology that they're doing, right? If they can yeah. do life extension, surely they can do weight loss. I don't know. 10, 20 years, who knows? But like three to four or five years, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's true. So as, yeah, well, well, there's Bill Gates, I think he made a famous statement. It's like, you'd, you'd be surprised how little you can accomplish in one year, but you'd be surprised how much you can accomplish in 10. Oh, that's and good. I might apply to that. I mean, you'd be surprised at how little technological advancement we'll see this year, but yeah. 10, it might seem like a lot. Um, so you had a second update? So I have actually four or five things, but I'll go through them real quickly. So MV Code Club, we're opening up our fourth location. Oh, awesome. Yeah, nice. So that's going to be down uh, in Redwood City. Um, this is in you know, the Bay Area. It's going to be north of like Menlo Park and mm. where um, Stanford is and stuff. So four locations. You the man. It's good. Wow. Uh, Doug's the man. You the angel <laughs> investor. Yeah, the angel <laughs> investor. Yeah, so we, we got the, the locations, and then we got, like, all the summer camps going on, and then we got all these, like, kind of what we call pop-up locations where we just do a few nights a week and then a bunch of school program stuff. So it's it's growing. I mean, we're not – we don't have any funding, so it's just growing off our own steam. But, you know, I mean, maybe end of this maybe the end of this year we could have um, – well, it might, this might be the last one to open up in 2016, but maybe then 2017 we have six or something like that. But, um, mm. You know, it'll get there, you know. Right. So it's the uh, slow road to riches. Mm. <laughs> um, Ten years, maybe. It'll be a big deal. But right now it's still pretty much a small deal. But it's it's come along. Um, did you see that article by um, uh, Gabriel Weinberg on the mental models. It hit number one on Hacker News. Mm-mm. No, I didn't. So this is a few days ago. Um, well, I saw it. It popped up on Hacker News, and it was the number one, and he just goes through all the mental models, the Pareto principle, exploration, exploitation, uh, I don't know, just all these types of things. And um, and how they've held, you know, and he ranks it from one, two, and three in terms of how, what kind of impact they've had on his thinking or his life. And they're great. I mean, it really, it was a really, you know, cognitive biases was a mental model, thinking in terms of cognitive biases and stuff. And, um, and uh, then, like, and I just kind of glanced at it. I glanced at it for a second. I didn't get a chance to, I just saved it to Insta paper. I didn't have a chance to read it at the time. And then uh, I got an email on some, like, a day later, and um, some says, hey, I just read your article on, like, surface area. It was inspirational, great article, you know. Thanks. So I emailed it back, and I'm like, I bet you Gabriel must have included Lux Surface Area as one of his mental models. Because mm. why would I get that, someone reading my article out of the blue like that? I mean, I, people do periodically, but it just yeah. was coincidental. It seemed too coincidental. And sure enough, I looked through it and he listed as one of his the mental models that have affected his, how he's decision-making stuff was Lux mm. Surface Area. I'm like, nice. That's awesome. So that was pretty cool. I was, that is very I was, sweet. Um, felt good about that. Well, because, you know, I was talking with Phil... And I, the other day, you know, it was like, and I, I kind of replayed a little bit of our conversation on last show about how I had, how you were, you were asking me like, you know, how have like these written these articles affected your career or professionally or whatever. And I was like, well, honestly, I don't think I've ever gotten a lot of like made money from them directly or even indirectly. I haven't really gotten a lot of like, you know, consulting contracts or whatever. I've got just, and uh, you know, I was saying I just really wasn't blogging or writing articles because it's like who cares mm. you know but then i think about it i was like you know honestly i've i've gotten a lot of positive feedback. i've helped i've gotten a lot of emails from people claiming that 
that I really inspired them or helped them because of different articles I've mm, written. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that actually is really worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That in and of itself, it's not that I had to I make agree. money, but it's just like, you know, it's kind of just amazing. Just the other day I was like, I was uh, on some forum somewhere and I mentioned Lux Surface Area, you know, uh-huh. and someone re- replied, oh man, I love that concept. Like, that's just like the best concept in the world. It's really helped me. <laughs> You know, so. Yeah, it's like so. It's really cool, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's that like, is a really. You cool can't one. really beat that, you yeah. know, in terms of like, because I was, I was talking about. We were. I wish we were talking about like you know teaching kids and stuff. And I was like, you know, having a positive impact in the world, whether it's at a larger scale or just on a one-on-one scale with people, is the most rewarding aspect of life. Just about mm. that giving. It's like I have positively affected this person, and. um uh, and there was this one girl I'm teaching this math summer summer five week summer course for the the Pasadena Education Foundation puts on through the district, and it runs at like seven schools and it's like you know, K through seventh or eighth grade or something. And um, I'm teaching a uh, math academy class. That's what it's called anyway. And there's this one girl. There was a couple kids at the beginning of the first day or two, and I was like, oh, I don't think this is the right class for them. <laughs> um, well, I had advertised the class as you know, this is for kids who did math field day and were really good at math and really, you know, I kind of put it that way. Are you really good at math? You really want to take it to the next level? Did you, you know, enjoy math field day? Well, this, you know, mm. trying to trying to frame it so those are the kind of kids that got in it. Well, it turns out the first day, I was like, all right, so how many of you have done math field day? Of the 18 kids, like two kids raise your hand. And then one of them said, well, I tried out, I didn't make it. I was like, uh-oh. And I was like, well, how many of you think that you're good at math? There's like four kids. And I was like, who thinks they're really bad at math? It was like, 10 i was like oh jeez, you know so a lot of parents obviously sign their kids up to this thinking oh th- we have math. this is going to make my kid really good at math yeah or, or thinking my kid needs help with math yeah this is, a, this is a third period math class for that age group sign them up mm-hmm. they didn't really read the fine print or really care it was just like oh fifth and sixth graders math okay you do this and so i had a lot of kids in there who really weren't interested in doing math during the summer i definitely have a handful of those boys who were just like they want to be doing anything but math, okay. and which is not easy. And then I have a lot of kids who weren't that strong at it. Anyway, this one girl, I, I identified right away. I'm like, oh, yikes, she's she's because I have fifth, you know, incoming fifth, incoming sixth. This kid it was just a fourth grader, and she's really shy and very not confident, and didn't seem like she's understanding a little bit what we're doing. Oh, and my goal is, I said, you know, I'm just going to try to teach these kids algebra. Let's really try and move the needle. I mean, just give it a shot. I'm, I'm what the hell. And did I not talk about this in the last class at all? No. Yeah, and and I was almost gonna call her mom. I got I called one of the kids' mom because the kid just did not want to be there and he's being disrupted. And I said, like, I just really think he's probably put him someplace that's a little more productive. Um, because he's just sitting there refusing to participate. Um, but this but I tailed off on the girl and she is killing it. And I I talked to her mom like a week ago and I and I I said, uh, yeah, I just want you to know Valerie is just doing a great job. She's like, you know, I've been considering holding her back again in fourth grade because she was struggling so much with math. Hmm. I was like, well, she's, I was like, we're teaching her algebra and she's in the top, at least the top half, if not more. Hmm. And she's like, yeah, she came home on this, it was like the third day or something. And she's like, you had apparently come up to her and gave her a bunch of positive feedback and she was just beaming and so happy. Hmm. And ever since then, she's just been on a tear. <laughs> you know, because I'd go up to, you know, I just, like I do with all the kids at different times. I'm like, Allery, I am so proud of you. You're doing great. 
<laughs> and she's just like smiling ear to ear and just like that meant the world to her. That's great. You know, and so I nice. didn't even, you know, I wasn't trying to like change her trajectory of life. You know, I was just, I was proud of her. I was just really pleased that she was doing well and sticking to it. And and now she just comes up to me, running up and give me a big hug before every class and is just beaming with. You I'm know. tearing up here. I know. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I, awesome. I know, but, you, you know, and I've had this, and she's not the only one. There's a few kids, but it's like that is why it's worth doing it you know is just that kind of you're directly impacting and i said i told her mom I'm like i don't think you need to hold her back i was like she's quite she's obviously a shy kid and i said with 35 kids or whatever kids are in her class how many kids are in her class she's clearly just kind of falling through cracks but she's mm. I think she's got it you know and she's got her math tutor. i'm like yeah keep the math tutor stuff going but she's has the capability and i said hopefully this class will give her some more confidence if she can learn algebra that she can sure enough do fifth grade math that's awesome so, Anyway, so um, anyway, so that that, that, that dovetail back in the conversation with Phil, and I was like, you know, it's that positive impact. Having that makes is like one of the greatest things. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I should start writing some stuff. If I have some things that I think are really good ideas, I should just write them down, and maybe some people will find it helpful. They will. But um, so the math class, one thing that was interesting. So I walked in at the beginning. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to teach it kind of like how I did my class. But then by the after the first day, I'm like. I have just a huge range of capabilities. I had one kid who first day he's like, how many digits of pi do you know? I know a hundred. Are we gonna do trigonometry? <laughs> I was like, um, and this kid is going into fifth grade. And you know, not that he really knew algebra or anything like that, but he's just likes math and you know, and, th and thinks he's good at it. And there's kids in there who hated it and don't know anything. So I was like, I, it's really hard to teach a class like that. So I was like, you know, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to, and I just kind of made this up on the fly because I was like, all right, I'm not going to stand up on the board and lecture at all. I'm going to write up five problems. I'll say, this is level one. Here are five problems. Level two, here's five problems on the board. We have boards, pretty much going, white boards going around the room. And every five levels is a belt. White belt, yellow belt, green belt, like, you know, <laughs> karate style. You know, green or, you know, orange, green, blue, red, brown, black, you know, whatever. So, in black, first plus, second degree, third degree. And the kids just started taking off. And But they didn't know. These kids did not know. And this is standard. This is the common core standards in, in the California and across the country. They didn't know what a negative number was, which says how to add and subtract and multiply them or whatever, divide them. They didn't know what a variable was or an equation or an equal sign. They didn't know how to multiply and divide fractions. They didn't know shit. And so I was like, okay, whew, all right, let's just blow through this stuff. Now I have kids solving rational equations, uh, multiplying um, polynomials, factoring quadratics. It's ridiculous. How do we scale that? How do we scale your capabilities? I kind of think know. that I, kind of, I always think, like, just hearing you say that, now I think what you should do is open up a school to teach people how to teach math. Interesting. <laughs> you know, like, because... It's just like all these different strategies and techniques, people aren't going to, they're not going to know. You're just making it up on the fly. Yeah, I just make, I, I literally made, I was at a class, I'm like, I, I was thinking, okay, we got to do something. I get, I'm like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. And I just started making up problems. And I got two high school um, TAs or helpers, they're aides, they just volunteer. I got this one girl, she's at the private school down the street. She's going to 11th grade. And then I have this one kid, it turned out the superintendent, who's, he's the one who's really big on the math academy, you know, I work with. His son is really good at math. He just, he's going to take calculus next year as a um, junior or as a sophomore. 
high school. So it's really advanced. And so he 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 said, "Oh, um, I'll have Enrique um, be a volunteer. He's I'm gonna, he wants to volunteer. I'm gonna have him volunteer for the PF program, and I want him in Jason's class." And I'm like, "Yes!" <laughs> so I have two TAs. So I have. So what we do is we walk around. And I don't do a lecture class. I'm like, all right, what levels? Everybody, everybody checked on their level. Yeah, I'm like, I need to be checked for level 23. I'm like, all right, come here, let's see, let's see a thing. And I check them off, all right, and I check them off. And whenever they get to a new, a fifth level, every fifth level, they do all right. Let's you and I write the name up on. All right, you're now red belt, and they get a Jolly Rancher. That's amazing. So, Jolly Rancher is the carrot. Having their name on the board is a belt. I team them up with someone who's basically working on the same level, so they can kind of work in, in sort of pairs or whatever. Oh, geez. Um, and then. And then, of course, with the with the with the the aides and myself, just going around and working with kids individually as they need it. And so I'll be like, someone says, "I don't understand level 34." I'm like, "Who else is working on 34, 33?" And I have two or three kids. I'm like, "All right, come on the board. All right, you three. All right, here we go. Boom. Three x squared minus three x squared. Da 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 da. Anybody get this? No. Yeah, right, that's you know. great. That's really and really I, good. And they're like, someone's like, "All right, do you need another one?" No. All right. Something that you know that's funny. Like that leveled approach is something that could really only work in math. Couldn't work because it's just so definitive. The answers are correct or not. How could that work in, in they do English? They do that with reading. You could do it with reading levels. I, I, they actually, one of the I think I got it from. They had this things called um, when I was in school SRAs, hmm. and it was like imagine this like filing box, and that they had with tabs, and each tab had a different color, and it was kind of like a you'd pull it out, and it'd be like a, you'd read, you know, like a half a page or a page and a half, or like a little story or some kind of, you know something and then you have to write answer questions to it and then next one next one and then the teacher would check it off and then you know even to this day people are like oh what level were you in sri it's like oh, i was a purple or i was a brown or whatever. but like you've managed to create self-paced learning in the real like not you know normally that isn't that that's yeah. what the whole promise yeah. of technology is but you've yeah. done it like in yeah. a classroom <laughs> yeah because i was like i'm not going to lecture because <laughs> the ones who don't want to be there don't want to be there i'm not going to listen they're gonna be disruptive and Everybody's different level. It's just really hard to lecture people different levels and different motivations, uh, levels of motivation and meta and sort of uh, you know levels of understanding. Um, that that's a blog post in its own right, you know. Yeah. Like how I how I taught multiple different levels of kids math. You know, I yeah. don't know. It's just like and this is that, this that would has be been a great blog post. Like uh, we've had we did four weeks. We missed a day, so we're talking like you know seven and we do four days a week, so maybe. 14, 15 days. Of that same of strategy. Class. That's it. And I have... I of, that, have of the same strategy? Like every yes. day it's the belt? In the first day was just... That, so we eliminate the first day because I went through a bunch of stuff, but then most get, didn't really get it. Yeah. And there was a... We eliminate July 4th. And so we're talking, you know, uh, f uh, 14 days or something. Hmm. And um, I have the kids who are the... The few kids who are the furthest along, who are my four, three black belts. One's a fifth grader. And whether six going to, going to be a sixth grader, and they're probably three quarters of the way through algebra. So can you can you keep the paradigm going the whole tr trimester? Yeah. yeah, of course. But this is just a five week course. Last week's next week. Next week's the last week. Oh, so it's it, it's it could be a new way of teaching math. Sure, Jeez. sure. Nice. I just make it up as I went along. I don't have That's a book. Awesome. I'm like, all right, so like I don't know, level one. All right, uh, adding, adding negative numbers. Level two, subtracting negative numbers. Add number three, multiplying it. You know, I just kind of went through so, it. So basically, you do the same thing. You rinse and repeat. So once you move from algebra, you move to the next concept. Yeah. Everyone starts off as white belts. Yeah, just you see who gets the, the black belts first. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's and it just worked like a charm. Well, because I kind of wanted to see... There's a part of me is like, you know, I got my group really advanced. 
And there's this question like, were they just really bright kids? I mean, were they exceptionally bright? And it's like, you know, maybe it wasn't what, what I was doing. It's just I just happened to have a high concentration of outliers. Mm -hmm. But now I've discovered that that's not true. That's just anyone can do it. Yeah, most, I mean, most kids. There are, yeah, I mean, the kid, there are kids, there's a range of how far they're learning, how quick they're learning. Some of it is ability. Some of it, of course, is just focus, how much you care. I mean, I have like three or four boys who are just screwing around a lot of the time and they're, you know, they're moving at 30% capacity because they're just messing around. And I have a couple kids, there's a couple girls in there who just are, they're young. I mean, the one girl I'll talk about, she's nine. She is nine years old and she's like halfway through algebra. So these are little kids. <laughs> the robots method. <laughs> the robots method. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, on this whole math academy thing, um, so the um, really cool. This is like a week and a half, two weeks, two weeks ago. The um, so PEF Passing Education Foundation, which I've talked about. That's they raise millions of dollars a year for the district, and they put on their robotics programs and the math app academy and all this, this summer stuff. They do all these special things, and you know, and I said Sandy is on the board there, so. The, they, they said, they want, uh, the, the executive director was like, all right, we want to bring you to come and you're going to give a talk to the fund council, the PF fund council. Now this is all the really rich guys, pretty much. These are all the really, really old, old rich white guys <laughs> who, if they give, they give a lot of money, but they are also friends with all the people who run the big foundations. Like mm -hmm. that their best friend is on like the Keck foundation or the MacArthur. I mean, these are the. It's the eye of the storm. These are the people. Right. And so it was like a 7.30 morning, and I was not looking forward to a 7.30 morning presentation. So I had to get up at the crack of dawn and get dressed up and <laughs> go to this, like, really nice house down on the Arroyo, sitting there. And it's like this the big kind of living room area, but there's probably, like, 20 people there. And, then, you know, they kind of was kind of mulling around first, talking. and like Sit down, and one guy says, okay, so today, and then he gets a five-minute update from the superintendent. It's funny, like, the superintendent is like... It's like the boardroom, right? The CEO has to kind of give his yeah. update and the executive director gives his update and they're like, okay, well, we have Jason Roberts here who is uh, spearheading this new program called uh, Math Academy and we're going to hear from him. So, <laughs> this uh, crazy like fly in the ointment well, he, didn't he even just know came out of left field and like has like hijacked our entire district. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, anyway, Jason Roberts. Well, <laughs> right. So the, the, the you know, the, the people at PEF, the, th the three or four people who work at PEF, of course, were really excited. They were, you know, there to, you know, they're all there. And then Brian, the superintendent's there. And then, uh, and then they, so they, he gives it to me. And so I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, my name is Ace Roberts. I'm da da da. And I'd go through the whole thing. And, you know, it's like, there's a range at like, based on your abilities on how you can do, right? You're like, I, I'm a one through 10. Like, where can I land based on my capabilities? Like, can I totally face plant or I can do a pretty good job? I nailed it. I mean, I killed it. Just, <laughs> I pointed left field and I just said it just the right way. And I just went through all the, the big <laughs> ideas and why it was a big deal and da, da, da. And, you know, so it was, it was, I, I, I have a pretty good sense of it. You're always like, but you ever really sure how people, you know, because your people kind of nodding and kind of mm. smiling. And then afterwards, a bunch of them came up to me like, this is really inspiring. This is amazing. I'm going to go talk to so-and-so tomorrow. I'm going to go talk to, um, I can't, I don't want to say the name uh, the, yeah, right the, now, yeah. but one of their friends, like this is the people talking about, is like one of the wealthiest people in the country. That's their buddy. Hey, we're going to go talk to, I'll, for a better room, we're going to go talk to Joe about this. I'm like, Joe who? And they're like, Joe. I'm like, 
he lives in Pasadena? <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. I was like, okay. And they're like, so that was really exciting. And then um, uh, Sandy had heard through, she had a PEF board meeting afterwards, and she said that um, that they were all really talking about how I hit it out of the park and everybody was just eating. Actually, they, they were eating out of the palm of my hand. They were all really excited. So That's that awesome. was awesome. So that was a huge day. You know, Sandy, of course, was really excited because everyone kept coming up to her talking about how great it was. And um, so hopefully, you know, this is leading towards funding because, you know, in order to hire mathematicians and expand this thing, we need more people and they cost money and we need, you know, all that. So that was kind of a big deal. That's awesome. And then I, um, I went and met with another one of these like, you know, billionaire guys, actually like a billionaire, not just like had uh, met him for coffee last week fish him on it that was a whole nother experience and then one thing he said at the end so that's some of the stuff that just has to be confidential i don't think i should be talking yeah about yeah it, so sure. i'm just not going to um uh maybe for that line i can go back and tell the story but um at the end he's like listen i want you to go talk to um betsy jones who runs the institute for educational advancement you know so i'm like okay i don't know where this what and so turns out they're a, um, a nonprofit that focuses on education for gifted students. Hmm. So they're involved in, they have summer camps, they have, some, they have school programs during the year for kids, you know, classes for, you know, these ultra bright kids. And uh, they actually work on policy stuff, trying to influence the legislation to do stuff. They have these huge tons of scholarships, really super bright. They're going on this like 23 city tour. They have like 50 kids where they're interviewing for 25 spots who are going to get full scholarships to all of the best, to whatever high school they want to go to in the country, Exeter, mm. Andover, whatever. And um, so they do all these amazing things. So I, I kind of just looked at their website and I was like, okay, I should, I, I, he didn't, he, he didn't do the intro email, but like two days went by and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to call her. You know, I'm not waiting. So I, I left a message and she calls me back and I was like, um, hi, you know, I talked to uh, Peter. He uh, suggested I, you know, so she's like, so we start talking for a few minutes. So she, she calls me back. And I was like, listen, I just noticed you're just down the street. How about I just come in and talk in person? She's like, oh, that'd be wonderful. You know, so I come in and they have a, they have, you know, like down in Marengo, they have some of these, these old craftsman houses, really nice craftsman houses, like law offices or whatever. Mm, they have like mm. one of those. They're right at Marengo and Oh, California. I know the ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know the exact green, ones. Green one. Yeah. Just two green yeah. ones right there. Yeah. So they have this amazing house. I walk in there and, um, and she's just like, like just she loves it well no i mean just be i can tell she's just like these very open intelligent enthusiastic people you yeah. know just right out of the gate i'm like okay she's gonna be great and so i start talking and she's just like and we get she's introduced to a few people and then we go up to her office and we start talking and she's like well, well start just tell me a little bit about your background so i go to my background and i get really quickly and then i launch into math academy and i'm just like look I'm sorry. I don't mean to like just jump into this. I just get so excited. She's like, no, no. I just have like five things I need to tell you, but keep going. I want to hear all this. So, so <laughs> we're just going for like two hours. This was just on Friday. <laughs> just two hours. And she's like, oh my God, I, you could do this and you could do that. And we could, would you, would you be willing to teach a class and this and that? And maybe, <laughs> oh, you know, it was, so it was just really, um, yeah, it was really exciting. You know, That's awesome. so, That's so cool. there might be something happens, you know, you know, with, with that. I'm sure there'll be some things that happen with that. But I don't know. I think, Math Academy, we're we're just about there. We're launching in the fall. You know, we're getting through the credentialing process with one of them. We're hopefully everything's going to come together. So, but this whole the fundraising part of it, you know, I'm kind of going around down, starting to really talk to people and pitching, and we're going to do a lot of 
grant applications and things and stuff. So that's exciting. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And very, then we might do cool. that documentary in the fall. Maybe that'll happen. I, you know, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, kind of amazing. So um, <laughs> let's see. Now, if there's anything else I talked about, I think there was there was one more thing I probably wanted to say, but I think we're probably way over time, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we we probably do need to cut it because um, I think I need to have dinner with Georgie and Jack. Three thirty. Well, some kind of. Food. meal some kind of food thing, yeah. <laughs> like what kind of what is the 3 30 meal called <laughs> the snack. Is second lunch yeah <laughs> yeah well that's good well i think that's good for now we um i, I think there's probably some other stuff we could catch up on too we'll do that next next show yeah no this is this has been a great show i was i was excited about it i knew it was going to be a good one yeah this is like the good old days all over again <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a wrap we're out.